Hey, welcome back to Indie Talks. This is Nathan speaking. Uh, Paul is also here, though. Hey. feeling 100% great. I am here. My head is killing me. Great. Well, hopefully we'll be okay. Um, I guess full transparency, it's really late for us because it's really early in the UK. This is about noon for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Sleep schedule. But we're, we're speaking to Ed Key of Proteus fame. Uh, greetings. Hi. Hi. What time is it there, I guess? Just we're going to have this like time zone discussion? Yeah, it's 9.30 in the morning. So it's oh. not... I don't know if it's really early, but um, yeah... Depends who you are, I guess. For us here, our sleeping schedules are terrible, so we don't see the morning. Nine thirty in the morning is bedtime for me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's it's gotten kind of that way. Sorry, it's reading week. Uh, The funny thing about time zones is that um, you kind of you do all this maths and figure out, you know, make sure you got your absolute, you know, you're you're plussing and minusing the right way right way around, and then you talk to someone and they're like, "Uh, I get up at six in the morning or I go to bed at nine in the morning, so. Like the personal time zone is completely something else, anyway. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, are you an early riser? Do you have breakfast? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I very rarely sleep in past okay. like an a.m. So, and my girlfriend gets up to work at about seven a.m. or something. So sometimes, I mean, I, I'll either have like a little, like an hour extra sleep after that, or I'll get up then and just and do stuff so yeah generally i get up quite early and then i don't stay up too late although the kind of the two the weeks around the launch i was staying up to like two in the morning which is unusual for me okay like so the proper steam launch is what you're considering the the launch of the game or just because like i played it a few months ago after right yeah yeah um yeah i I guess it's the most recent launch. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, it felt like the biggest event for sure in terms of preparation and kind of tension and having to do all the the kind of press stuff around it. Okay. Um, whereas the beta one was, uh, you know, there was definitely like there's you know a bunch of people bought it like the moment it was released in beta and mm-hmm. websites covered it and things and I did interviews about it but it was it was like 5% of the size of the Steam one in terms of kind of effort and numbers okay um I guess I'm, I'm a little curious like I'm not sure how like was the ending of the game in there a few months ago like that felt like maybe I'd missed something or yeah, that was in there. That's been in there since um, Indiecade in oh, okay. 2000. Um, although wow, it wasn't, so... it wasn't public then. So there, there were like preview builds knocking around that had that in, and there were like festival builds. But the yeah, the, the that was definitely in for like the first beta. Right. I guess I, I guess I just didn't discover it. And there's I don't think there was anything video wise I saw of it post Steam release that made me think there was. I just started following along and doing yeah. different things, and then I stumbled into it, which was probably my favorite thing about it, is, like, that kind of organic finding a thing that you didn't yeah. expect to be yeah. there. Yeah, so, that's, uh, a, that's a strange... Um, it's a mixed blessing, really, because... I mean, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, obviously that is a conscious choice, but it's um, it's weird that uh, there's a lot of misconceptions when going into that. The, mm-hmm. the game the definition of game thing is that 
um which i guess we'll talk about <laughs> later but that was uh that was kind of annoying for me to read things like people would write like a massive essay uh and this guy was like quoting plato and things and talking about and he was actually saying you know he was arguing for a broader definition okay it's kind of my position but he was saying oh you know i played proteus i didn't really like it i you know, played for like 20 seconds and then uh you know and it's like that um, which is you know i'm totally you know i don't if people don't like it then whatever you know it's not, i'm not trying to make something that everyone likes but but he was okay. saying uh oh i you know, there's no ending, so uh, you know, obviously that makes it a difficult decision about whether it's a game. <laughs> it's like, well, what the fuck, you know? And it's like three pages of uh, three pages of text about like Plato and stuff. So it's huh. it's kind of annoying. But, and I, I I think that hold on, just I've just got to stop the cat doing something. Stop oh, okay. <laughs> doing some paperwork. Um, it's probably annoyed that he's not at breakfast. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the. Uh, yeah, just I think that's that's been a common misconception is that it doesn't have an ending, um, and I guess I don't know if that comes from it being somewhat more associated with something like Minecraft than than a linear game. Um, I don't particularly know where it comes from, but it's interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of happy with. I, I guess it's just the thing when you if you release something publicly, then you just resign yourself to there's being certain perceptions of it that you can't. You know, if you, if you try and control every single like misconception, you try and correct everything that people say about it, then mm. it's just you know that's just going to drive you insane. So because then uh, you the, my, act like Jonathan Blow, and then you go insane. So <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Like, had you seen Indie Game the movie? Uh, no, I've not watched it actually. But, oh, okay, um, just that. That's a specific anecdote he shares about okay. post Braid release. He was like patrolling the internet, looking for thoughts on it, and just eventually had to decide like all right i can't do that anymore because it'll eat up all my time like i yeah. can't curb people's opinions and be like no 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 no, you don't have <laughs> enough information here let me explain like it, it'll just yeah you definitely can't yeah. Do that. I think I'm... yeah i was kind of curious if you if you had been reading reviews and such or if you've tr- tried to stay isolated from that or yeah it's it's a difficult thing um mm-hmm. i i definitely so going back to this thing about the this the scale of the of the, the sort of release events um when obviously there's like a little spike of people buying it at the start and then there's some little spikes with various like press things happening over the, the past year or so and then there's the steam thing which is much bigger and then it's, it's kind of still you know like the the number of the the kind of i mean just perspective thing like the daily sales now are about the same as the biggest peaks like the biggest single isolated one day peaks in the beta so Okay. So it's kind of gone from this thing of like everything's like five, ten times bigger than it used to be, and and everything's kind of you know. Whereas something before would be like I would check my sales and be like, oh my god, you know, wow, I'm making those. You know, I can I can like go and buy a new game or something, or you know, whatever. And but now it's like that's kind of happening. I mean, it's tailing off, but it's that's a regular thing now. So going from mm-hmm. not really making any money to making like an okay amount of money to to fund future stuff. I mean, this is probably getting on some of the right right yeah but but that's um but no so yeah talking specifically about reviews i mean in in the past um when the, there wasn't much kind of press noise about it it was much easier to kind of go oh wow you know process review let's see what they say about it or like a blog post or something and, and you would read something about it but um i i guess like over the past uh how many like three weeks or so it's that's really 
like I almost can't read anything now. I just have to, if I get a review notification, I just, maybe I'll skip to the end and see what the score is if they put a score on it, um, just because mm-hmm. I want <laughs> see if I should, I should see if I should ignore it out of um, <laughs> not wanting to get big-headed or ignore it out of not wanting to, to get um, upset about it. So, right, to know the reason for ignoring it, but but no, it's, it's quite hard to um, to to read stuff or to watch let's plays or video reviews or anything, um, just because it just the whole sense of ownership of it to me feels like it's really shifted. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if ownership is the right word, but this kind of sense of perspective or something. So at the moment, I'm in this kind of strange place of doing, just catching up on some other bits and pieces, like financial stuff or... Yeah. Like, I'm just curious, like, in your mind, is there a correct way and an incorrect way to play Proteus? Or is it pretty, like, open for that? Like, like you know, you're saying, like, it doesn't really belong to you anymore. Like, it's up to the players and whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like the the range of stuff you can do in it. Like, is there anything that they could do to really totally destroy the experience? Like, I don't. Not I don't really. Know. Except, be... I guess, give up on it without really investing. Yeah, it. although even that, even that's kind of okay. I mean, I was talking to, um, do you know the Stanley Parable? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was talking to Davey Reedon, um, and this was uh, I was we were just chatting on Skype a long time ago. Now. He was he was we were just. It's like let's have a Skype call and talk about games mm-hmm. Um and he was saying that he obviously I sent him a copy, uh, sent him like a dev build, and then he played it, and and then we were talking about it, and I eventually, you know, just from talking to him, kind of ascertained that he hadn't played through beyond the first um, season of it, beyond that first kind of transition. Right, um, right. And to be fair, like back then, it wasn't quite as refined and and the signposting wasn't quite the same as it is now. So it was, it was easier to miss it, but, yeah, but he was saying, oh, you know, I had a great time, you know, I walked around and, and I explored and it was really nice. And I kind of watched sunset and relaxed. And then I, then I basically like had enough after like an hour or something and quit. And I was just thinking that, and he, you know, I was saying, Oh man, you didn't, you didn't see like three quarters of it. And, uh, he was like, but you know, I was, I was happy with it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's a strange thing that it's kind of, and, and I've had other conversations with people who said they, they, played and quit i guess like as you were saying earlier they they played it one or two times and quit before playing all the way through yeah um, like that's really my interesting first experience it was it, i think it was that i just missed the signposts that there was transitions like i just kind of sat and watched the stars on a hilltop or something mm. and then i was just kind of like looking at it as like this is like some sort of different way to experience an album or something like this is like a yeah, music like, that's, I mean, violence that's a, yeah and then the and I was like, all right, that's that's a neat thing. I love music visualizers. And then that was it. And I didn't realize <laughs> that there was more to see. But that's that's you know, it wasn't a bad yeah. experience. It was just a different experience than was and intended, then did, I guess. Did you just go back um, because of another beta release or the launch release? I think it, I think it was like the launch release. There was video coverage of it, and that's when I saw that there were seasons. And then I was just oh, like. Okay. Oh, there's other seasons. All right. Well, I want to see those other seasons. And then, like that video didn't go right to the end of it all. It was just yeah. transitioning. And then I was like, "Well, you can keep transitioning. What happens?" And then I went <laughs> right, down right. the correct trail of stuff. And then I was like, really, just I don't know. I just had no idea that it did that. So it was it was a nice nice yeah. surprise. Yeah, but, um, yeah. The, the the ones that's the the kind of um, stories of like people's 
experiences with it that are almost most interesting to me in that regard are when people have have quit and then and then something's kind of either some curiosity or whatever is is kind of nagged at them to go back and then they've mm-hmm. you know if they've done that like one or two times and then got to the end that's that's really interesting to me because that was um something i wanted to um to to have in it and i'm speaking for david here as well um to have something where you you're not you're not kind of forced to replay it you know you're not kind of it's not like play it five more times to unlock this new thing it's more that if you play it then if you play it multiple times then you'll notice different things um Mm -hmm. and you'll you'll kind of wonder what else there is in there um and then also pleasant enough experience that people might be like oh i'll check i'll walk around on this island again and then (laughs) hopefully they'll see the correct or well not correct stuff but they'll see more things that they yeah do. yeah yeah it's it's um yeah it, it, it ties into um kind of achievements and and tracking of things as well that mm-hmm. that that because you know proteus deliberately doesn't it doesn't give you any like confirmation or validation of of what you've seen or what you haven't seen right and i think that is an impor- important part of it which is well like it, at some point that would become like a weird checklist or something like it's just like yeah, chase totally. five frogs and you're yeah. like, well, <laughs> then you know people will just be chasing frogs because they're getting the token it's not because yeah they exactly yeah it's the whole uh, extrinsic intrinsic motivation thing yeah uh, but that, so i mean uh, there's so that's part of it and the other part of it is that because you don't you're not saying exactly what there is in the world there's there's, there's like a flip side of that which is that if you don't say what if you don't say like if you don't list all the things that are to find then you don't necessarily know that you found everything so the world doesn't feel like it has this kind of hard edge to it right Um, right so it's like maybe there's a totally new creature that i've just never seen because i didn't yeah probably (laughs) so that's Um, that's enough to tease people to come back um yeah without stating you know without being explicit about that at all so it's more just can it you know is it possible to to design that stuff in and and also you know let go of the let go of the fear of people not seeing everything um you know like I was saying that conversation with David Reedon that um if I can you know if we can be happy that people don't necessarily see everything then it's easier to you know we spent David and I was, there's one particular creature in there that, which is one that you might not have seen mm-hmm. um it's these like, little s- swirling flying kind of snake-like things. Oh, okay. Um, like, and are there seasonally specific ones too? Or yes. Just, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not, um, there's not hundreds of them, but there's mm-hmm. enough that, you know, you, you'll get a little, and they're, they're quite, you know, you'll kind of obviously have like a intrinsic reward for seeing them and they're, they're quite, there's a lot of time putting into them, put into them, um, like this, this particular creature um, I think we spent we must have spent over over a week on it between us, or like two weeks or something. And it it went through all these kind of complicated iterations. Um, and it, you know, putting it was a lot of effort to put into something which most people don't see. Yeah. Um, you just kind of have to. It's just kind of there for the people that do see it, and I don't know. <laughs> it's I guess, weird to 
analyze the cost the sort of cost benefit of that. See, now I have to jump in again. Mm-hmm. So great, but I mean that's totally fine. Like my time with Proteus has been kind of weird because I played through it because it was a thing that people were playing, and then I was like, okay, this is kind of like peaceful. I like the music and sounds and stuff, and then I turned it off. And then mm-hmm. I saw a video like Nathan did that there was a different season. So I was just yeah. like, oh, okay, so I have to go see that. So I jump back in, do that sort of thing, turn it off. And then Calvin on Twitter says, oh, man, the level five cave spider is an annoying <laughs> boss or something like that on Twitter. So I'm like, it, like, is this the same game? So I jumped in and looked for it for like an hour and a half. And no, he was just he was just messing with people. So then okay. I turned it off again. And then Nathan was like, dude, have you seen the ending? I was like, there's an ending, so I turned it on and jumped back in. And now I'm turning it on to jump back in to see this flying snake thing. So there you go. It just keeps on giving. I guess, yeah, I was I was curious if you'd view that those kind of conversations and that kind of, like, laying bare the contents of it. Like, is that spoiling the game, or is that kind of whatever manner of encouragement to return is, that's fine. Like, now that it's kind of yeah. out there for everyone I'm... to look at and share... Like is yeah, is a video can, of it ruining it or is it you know a helping? Little bit. I mean, I, I kind of before like pre Steam launch, I was kind of more um, when people were posting videos, um, mm. if it's press or whatever, and just say you know here's like a, a list of like two or three things that um, you know prefer if you didn't show because um, obviously that's that is a big part of it is like stumbling across these things and, and you, you'll see some, some little hint of something and go up to it and then something will happen, which you know, it's just that, that kind of back and forth of discovery mm-hmm. is uh, yeah, it's a big element of it. Um, but I, yeah, since steam launched and since there being kind of more press coverage of it, um, it's, I, I've just kind of, um, a bit like the the interpretation side of it, or the what you were saying about the the kind of braid example that it it's too much to just <laughs> to be trying to police spoilers and things and and so oh, okay yeah in, in in practical terms I've just kind of said oh do whatever but but no I, I mean I don't consider anything that we've just said to be um, spoilers so you don't have to edit anything there okay um, yeah like I, I've been pretty <laughs> apprehensive just on like podcasts and things I've done of just like you should see it. There's a thing that happens, but I don't want to <laughs> yeah, say yeah. what it is because I don't know. But like, then, it's, it's yeah, just... then off the air, you're like, "There's an ending." I'm like, "There's an ending." Yeah, <laughs> back in. Yeah. Right. Like, I just I don't know. It feels like such a weird thing because like it. I, I don't know if it would rob it of like the moment when whatever happens, but it's just like it seems like a crime to kind of let like lay that out specifically because it would kind of. Ruined the oh, yeah, let's, let's not let's yeah. not let's not say specifically what. what right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, discovery. I guess discovery and exploration is kind of a tricky thing to kind of get people to do. And I don't know, like it, it's it like is the is the island actually randomized to some degree? Yeah. Like when you load up one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Um, yeah, it's generated. There's, um, it has, you know, obviously it's got this kind of fixed list of ingredients that it's mixing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, it's not going to be radically different each time, but you will get different layouts, different configurations, and different like scenes. You know, and you'll get like sometimes you'll get little separate islands hanging off it, and oh, okay, you know, d- 
stuff that is just is just like different picturesque mm. scenes and and it's it was kind of nice for me just playing it in january when i was you know working on the last parts of it it was nice to have to actually still be surprised about what stuff it was throwing up but obviously that is um you know that's that's influenced by the fact that i've been that i'm looking for all these subtleties whereas if you you know if you just as a player if you kind of play it three times then it might you know it depends how how into it you get really like if you if you're kind of stopping and looking at exactly oh there's has like a composition of a like a mountain behind another mountain which i've never seen before then mm-hmm. you know that stuff it's essentially like a landscape photographer kind of view of it where you're you know you're kind of framing these little scenes and, and looking for stuff um then you're going to spot those those things that are new but it's not like you're going to play it again and this time it's a desert island with palaces and stuff it's right you know. okay so it's just, <laughs> yeah yeah um i guess the music is obviously like a really key part of it all like mm. like different sounds associated with different creatures and everything like w- like w- how would you collaborate on that would you just come up with an animal and then try to find the right music for it or like did you leave that up yeah. to david or like was it pretty like was he there the entire time like the whole process uh yeah he was so from from the beginning of of what protus is now this this mm-hmm. kind of musical exploration thing where it's you know it's very kind of minimal but rich i guess mm-hmm. um that all came from the first emails that David and I exchanged where we were just, I, I was making um, a game about exploration and, and which was maybe going to have some like RPG in it and be a bit more of a kind of more traditional game. Like conventional mechanical kind of. Yeah. Layered. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe some kind of sandbox kind of thing with, you know, and I had this, there was stuff that went into that that got stripped out like procedural towns and things, which I kind of got halfway through doing and, Oh, okay. Got really down into lots of uh, details of that. Um, so I think, you know, procedural generation, I'm just going to keep doing that. But, um, yeah, as we we were just saying, we, well, first of all, it was just, okay, I like your music that you've got online. Um, would you be interested in collaborating? Um, and then he was talking about this ideas for kind of reactive music or music that has you know all these kind of dynamic elements to it mm-hmm. and we just yeah we just it became like a real mirror of the 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 world in the game so it's like you're discovering the music at the same time as you're discovering the the, the terrain and the landscape and and whatever's in the world visually you know, mm-hmm. interactive. um so so the process like the process was a little bit different depending on what element we're talking about so like with with landscape and color and seasons and all those kind of things like time of day that mostly was like I would do all the graphical stuff and all the interactive side of that or like all the systems and the you know actually like code it up um and then David would tend to make some music based on that and then he would like send me some like graphs and things of how, you know, as time goes on, you know, this this happens, then this kind of this loop goes down to zero, whilst this one comes in, and these little like timelines and things, and and then we would we would just put that together and iterate a few times, and then with the animals, yeah, this it's it was mostly that direction too, where I would 
put in some animal and give it some behavior and, and decide what it was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then David would, would come up with some, some like musical rules for that. But then it would, it would always be a bit back and forth. So like with the frogs, um, I think I just put in just a basic frog that you go up and it would hop. But then um, David, uh, all the all the kind of like timings and the patterns that are in those in the frogs are all from him. So that's all like have have these like certain cadences and sequences. like each hop has its own like ascending. Yeah, descend- yeah, 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 yeah. Just the the. Yeah, the patterns of musical notes, and there's there's about like four different types of those, mm-hmm. um, and the squirrels as well. They kind of make like different like sort of like dancing noises as they they run around. That was that was a real back and forth thing. Um, so, like, were, like were you interested in musical kind of visual stuff prior to teaming up with David, or was that kind of an interesting like expression of the exploration based thing you were working on, like a way to kind of flavor it or i don't know like do you have musical background too i i don't really i mean the i think the it was more of a um sorry okay (laughs) thought you can edit that out um if you want oh you can leave it in um yeah the the, I, I mean, the musician that has had the biggest influence on Proteus for me, just thinking about the the atmosphere of it, was Brian Eno. Um, oh, okay. nice, yeah, yeah. His um, kind of chance based approach to things, and and so that obviously that kind of feeds back into procedural generation, and you know, having like a this slightly random algorithmic system, which is then kind of you know the, the the player is then like the other part of that so you've got this this kind of two-sided system where the player is almost kind of curating their own experience from this this kind of algorithmic side of it so but that wasn't i didn't have you know i didn't have musical mechanics in mind or musical interactions in mind it was just i, I guess like, I, it had this like musical flavor to how uh-huh. I was thinking about things, you know, and I had I had like playlists on iTunes where I would just have all my um you know, like bunch of Brian Eno stuff and um I'm trying to think what else like Boards of Canada and various other things that were just um like mood mood pieces that were kind of touchstones for how I wanted it to feel. Oh, okay. Certainly not as explicit as thinking, okay, how about how about music that depends where you are you know reacts to where you are mm-hmm. right i have some breaking news just to go back to something here okay okay so what calvin said on twitter <laughs> was damn the spider white cave and proteus is super hard plus five enchanted flame scimitar is not doing anything against these spider whites to what someone replied Try attacking the spider web, not the spiders. Sheath the scimitar as you fall. The pool underneath will permanently extinguish it. To which he replied, Ah, dang, this game is so good. Seriously, excellent puzzle design. So logical. So please tell me for the record now, is there a spider cave? Because I will spend hours looking for it. No, there isn't. Okay. I I still kind of don't believe you, so I'm going to jump in. 
and yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm a source of misinformation. Uh, <laughs> I gotta find the flaming scimitar. I think uh, I, I saw a little bits of that conversation, and 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 it's people occasionally, you know, it's like make these jokes about, uh, you know, Proteus. You know, I've got the rocket launcher and blah blah blah. <laughs> right. right, like this changes everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's that's a that's like a a real fine example of that art of uh, that kind of I don't know Proteus trolling or something. Um, well, like yeah. when you have a game that you don't know what to expect anything from, you'll expect mm. anything. Yeah, so that's, like, that's, yeah. that's sure. Funny. Maybe I don't know. I haven't played it enough. Maybe <laughs> exactly. But, I gotta like find the flaming scimitar and the stupid spider cave because I'm going hunting. Crafting system or something, but yeah. Um, yeah. I guess in light of like the the critical feedback you have seen, like it did kind of raise that weird question about what is game kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, you d- you did weigh in on your on your blog in in relation to that. Um, I, I don't mm. know, just. I, I guess yeah. What is like? What it, you 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 said? It's not deliberately anti-game in any way. It's not trying to be subversive about game mechanics or something like. But I, or a bit like you were saying, you deliberately don't have achievements in there because you didn't want to do that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, so I what my I think my wording there was that that I wasn't you know I wasn't putting forward this kind of minimal mechanics game as any kind of manifesto about what people should or shouldn't do. Right. But, you all, you guys, f- follow me. Like, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> it's yeah, just, right, right. Um, like, this is a way games can be made. Like, why? Yeah, why? I mean, I think, you know, I guess people, it is a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally, it's a, it's an approach, and, and, you know, if you, I think if you, if you, if you put effort into it, then you can, do cool stuff but mm-hmm. um so but obviously you know i i love um I mean, my other almost my favorite game of all time pretty much is xcom um you know okay. the originals and and game which is obviously is totally the opposite you know it's so this like so kind of systems heavy and and intricate and in that sense um so i'm not you know, I'm not trying to make any value judgment about either of those two things, but um, but no, I definitely. So, on the other hand, on Pro- in Proteus, there's like we were saying before, there's no um, achievements and there's no kind of like there's no waypoint markers or validation. You know, that says, oh, hey, you know, you just found you watched the sunset. Good job. You know, right? Um, waypoints like numbers popping up. None of that. Yeah, conventional um, feedback and no, yeah. no text. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and I think that has been a source of a lot of the problems with it in terms of people feeling frustrated. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so there's, there's no there's no challenge in it either. Or well, I don't know. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's it's confu- I mean, this is this is why. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm totally going in lots of directions here. But um, it going back to that particular that particular discussion about like is Proteus a game I think is is ridiculous because it it trivially ticks a whole bunch of boxes that that fit it into a definition of game if you in in a kind of minimal sense like right ha- right you know it's kind of challenging in the sense that it doesn't tell you what to do you've got to figure out how to progress and you've got to kind of be observant and and spot that and 
and you know, I mean, you, 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 it's hard to to really call the end state the, a winning state, but it's it is mm-hmm. a, you know, it's certainly a completion, and it's like a sense of um, a sense of closure that you you know you've gone through this arc, um, and I would say it has it has mechanics in the sense of there's all these different ways in which things interact with each other as you kind of move up to them or as you look at them or you know you get you know music is kind of a reward for figuring out interactions or for for finding a location i mean it's it's very minimal stuff but Mm -hmm. it seems and i I, you know i'm not really saying this to to kind of justify it but it's it's strange that proteus of all things uh, you know compared to um i don't know dear esther or 30 flights of loving and i'm not saying anything about how you know, I particularly recently really enjoyed Thirty Flights of Loving, but mm-hmm. it's much more, you know, it's much less of a stretch to apply the name to the word, you know, to apply the word game to it than it is for some other things. So it's it's a, that's a little bit bewildering to me why it became such a kind of lightning rod for that. And I don't know if it's just maybe it's just kind of coincidence or and how. I mean, certainly it's like it's in the same vein of like Journey and Dear Esther and, and, you know, I kind of hope that if people like those games, then they would take a look at Proteus and maybe enjoy that too. Um, I guess, sorry, just in relation to kind of the, the games you compared to like Dear Esther and uh, 30 Fights of Loving, I guess, specifically, like, mm. um, like I don't know, like there's certain, like I've certainly seen some of the grouchy people on Metacritic, I guess, one of their big beefs <laughs> seemed to be like length of game versus cost, but sure, yeah. Like for that, it, it seems kind of weird to me because, like, I mean, Thirty Flights of Loving has like a narrative arc to it that only lasts so long, but there's like yeah. commentary in there, and there's you know, it's got a uniqueness to the way it's laying out its its story and stuff that made me feel totally fine with the. I think it was five dollars that I paid for it. Um, mm. but for like when I was like purchasing Proteus, it more seemed like well, this is like an album. For some reason, like right. that's where yeah, I went yeah. with this. It's like, yeah. well, this is totally fair price for an album. So and yeah, an album right. That's, that's to um, again and again. So it seems weird to kind of get angry at it for, <laughs> like, you don't get angry at an album for being like, oh, it's only four seven minutes long. What? <laughs> it's like, well, are the songs good? Like, isn't that what matters? Like, you can listen to it again. It's just like, ah, oh, I'm angry. Like, it it seems a bit. It, but I guess it does kind of land in this weird kind of nebulous place that people aren't hundred percent sure what to call it, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But I, I guess for me, like we we've talked a bit before. Well, we've we had this discussion many times on our podcast about our own personal definitions of what we of what a game is. And I remember bringing up Proteus actually, like is Proteus a game? And I think you and I talked through that. Well, yes, it is because you don't have an experience unless you are actively playing it, interacting. Like, you right. have to move around. You have to consistently move around to get an experience. Whereas, like, the other stuff, it was just kind of like, well, you could probably just, like, duct tape a penny down on the A button and get through The Walking Dead. Well, that's like not that. 100%. Well, actually, specifically with those narrative-driven adventures, like, we were, like, kind of... It's so much, like, such a high percentage of basically cinema... Like, it'll play itself in a way at some point. So. And then if you want to judge those games on the parts that are quote-unquote gameplay, those are the worst parts of the experience because they're <laughs> just kind of thrown in there. It's like, now shoot the zombies. Like, I don't want to yeah. do that. I want to right. learn more about this character. Yeah, well, that's what you mean. Yeah. I, like, 
that that's yeah. where we were kind of rubbing up against what is the definition of game kind of thing. Like th- those are our criteria is like activity versus inactivity kind of thing. But, yeah. Right. And that's, I, that's an interesting point about how you, um, like the, the walking dead example. I think I've heard someone say that before about that. There's the, almost these, like these QTE kind of quick time event things where you, they feel like they're thrown in or they're the kind of worst thing about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, um, that idea of taking like a, a a product or whatever and appreciating it in different ways like you can i think that's that's a really kind of potentially fertile way of looking at things is to to take something and and to kind of say okay i'm going to enjoy this as a as a music album now i'm going to enjoy it as a game now or i'm going to enjoy it as a a kind of a graphic novel or something and if you can mm-hmm. You know, if you can pick something up and kind of look at it in those different directions and and get something out of each one, then that seems like like a really kind of cool and noble, interesting thing to do with the the medium. Which you know, games obviously part of the the great thing about video games is that you can combine all these things together. You know, you can. I mean, obviously, sometimes they don't sit well together, and sometimes you know you get kind of classic kind of. Gameplay cutscene, gameplay cutscene thing. Yeah, but yeah, if you yeah. can, you know, I mean, that, just that is the property of games is that it, it, you know, they have visual art, they have music, they have writing, they have interacting you know, systems, kind of rule based art or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, um, it kind of crosses but, over a lot of like or combines and mashes up a lot of stuff. Like there's like a certain sculptural elements to some of it. Yeah, in some sure, way yeah. like an architecture and yeah. Yeah, like it's everything kind of meeting up in this weird other space, and it's, I don't know, it's almost like a percentages of which things are prioritized that determines kind of how to approach a thing, maybe. Like I think I think yeah. it's maybe uh, what defines a game is interactivity as opposed to just input, whereas like stuff like The Walking Dead, it's a fantastic experience, but mm. you're giving input. No, like you're not interacting so much. Like with Proteus specifically, but like that—that's its own class. Is like the visual novel type game, which it, like I've been playing a lot of those recently that are very mm-hmm. like straightforward. Like it's like me and Professor Layton are hanging out, and a story's <laughs> going to happen. And in that case, I have like no real shifting on the storyline at all. I'm just kind of messing around with the puzzles. Right. But I like Walking Dead is kind of like I guess five or six of those that you kind of can change courses in and enter different avenues and see different things, which makes it its own kind of, like, it's just, it's its own genre, which is, I don't know. Like, I've, I've definitely been wrestling with, like, our kind of attitudes towards it, but... Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird. Like, for me, if something's a game, it means that if I interact with this a certain way, different things will happen each time. Mm-hmm. So, like, my direct interactivity like in proteus i'm walking this way so this is the experience i'm having i'm seeing this part of the world then i have to walk over here to see another part it's a constant back and forth where like if i'm gonna put some input into it i'm gonna get a different result tailored to whatever i did Uh whereas i felt walking dead was more like this is already tailored in a certain way and you're putting an input as to what the next part you want to see is Right. Yeah. It, so it's much more like a movie in that sense. It's like we shot a bunch of footage and we want you to see it in this order. Here you go. Right. Like it's comparable to that. Where it's right. Like we so scripted like a bunch of scenes. And that's which, the thing. Like, yeah. 
to me, like what difference is a movie in my mind? If like that's why I try to distinct what is a game in my mind. Maybe not mm-hmm. like for everybody, but for me, because like mm. what's to say I don't put in Lord of the Rings and I go from chapter hop, chapter hopping back and forth. Like, yeah. is it now a game by someone else's <laughs> broad definition? Because I'm putting in an input to see the next part. Well, I have seen DVDs that actually have, like, choose-your-own-adventure book-style right. stuff to it, which is weird. And so, are they called games? It, it somehow, sort of, I don't know. See, like, I mean, that's if you broaden your weird. definition enough, anything can kind of fit in there. So, Right. Like, yeah, the, 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 sorry. Yeah. No, um, I think you, the, you know, there's... If you make the the definition absolutely broad, then it's it's kind of becomes absurd because you know this pen in front of me is a game and you know, it just becomes like nonsense. yeah right because you're interacting with it for a anything. different output yeah. yeah yeah and 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 the, but then it you know it becomes absurd at the the other end of the spectrum as well where you kind of say only this particular thing is a game and everything else is is not a game and and this is kind of I think I briefly said something about that in this in that blog post whenever yeah, that was yeah. but that was you know, if you you it becomes this kind of crazy ongoing kind of battle. It feels like um uh you know, you it's like, okay, but this thing is is, is kind of is that a game as well? And it's like, well, you know, where do you draw that kind of fine line between game and not game? It's, there's there's so many other things in the world that work like that though. Like yeah. definition of what's alive. Like are viruses a form of life or are they just a inanimate piece of replicating matter and mm-hmm. um i had another thought about some other thing that fits in that definition um yeah it's the the no true scotsman paradox or or philosophical um i can't really call it uh like a not paradox um i don't know whatever it's called where you, okay i, I can't so, I don't... No, I don't know <laughs> I've lost okay lot. um no no true scotsman it's like um you know some some uh no I, yeah all right cut <laughs> <laughs> well like i don't think you can, look it up you, you can't draw <laughs> a straight line through like, what's a game or what's not it's more of a squiggly line that goes all the way around everything like yeah, there's no right, black right. and white definition it's basically well, it's all just like all... relative to who's playing it too like you you bring up the sims and sim city in your in your article mm-hmm. and it's just like well, those, those are absolutely like really interesting games. I would say, like, mm-hmm. how could you take that away from them? But I guess, yeah, there there was certainly that snobbery towards The Sims. As yeah, being, and like, I think um, I think that's um, Will Wright's point position now is that SimCity isn't a game; it's a toy. Um, you know, it's yes. a systems toy right. thing. I but like, and, I don't know what is, that means either. Like, it's like, <laughs> right. well, like I guess it's like, well, city planners and joking around but it's just like well but you get to kind of step into the shoes of someone who's making these decisions that you don't get to make like i think the idea is that they just give you a whole bunch of tools and then a flat surface and say go they don't try to tailor an experience to you you tailor the experience to yourself Mm -hmm. and now now i'm just like yeah gary's mod or like right kind of toolbox things that they let you play around with like that's kind of a game it's a game I mean, yeah, and SimCity is weird because it, you know, it very much has game mechanics. You know, like you have these systems, like you have kind of actors and verbs and and way the way that things relate to each other. Like, you know, if you put a police station down, crime goes down, but you have to pay for the maintenance of the police station and things. Which, yeah, I, yeah. you know, are those things game mechanics? Or are they? Are they? I mean, they they clearly 
are game mechanics, but then that's it's it's I think there's there's just a lot of um kind of absurdity of language, which you know that mm. if you were studying game mechanics, you would study that kind of thing, but how you know surely if sim city is 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 anything if it's like a a huge collection of game mechanics then maybe that means it's a game <laughs> i don't know i mean I at some point you've the thing is that into video gameness or something but yeah yeah i mean i, I totally see it as a game it just doesn't, doesn't seem a particularly profitable way of 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 de, you know delineating those things i mean i right. think um obviously it's 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 totally the creator's prerogative to to say what they consider the thing that they've made to be but um mm. I don't know. I, you know, I wouldn't particularly take that as an authority to, as to how to kind of carve up the world for for everything for everyone else. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I guess it's like trying to figure out like who to recommend it to might be why you'd want to classify it as a specific thing. Well, for criticism's yeah. sake specifically, like you want to say, okay, if this is a video game, I want to compare it to other things that are classified as video games in the public's eye. Right. It just kind of work that way. Whereas if like Will Wright says, "Well, it's a toy," it's like, "Well, how does this compare to like this action figure toy or something <laughs> right. like that?" Like it becomes weird. Like it's that absurdity of comparing very, very different things that we've had conversations about in relation to movie genres, like documentary versus sci-fi action film. Like what I don't—they're both really good, but they're very, yeah. very, very different. So or like when people say, "What's a good horror movie?" and you say Alien, and then they're like, "What?" or it's whatever. Like that's- yeah, it's like, what do you mean? That's sci-fi or whatever. Or like, yeah. do you might have your own kind of decision as to what that is? It's like, oh, it's not even scary. Like the whole reason genre exists <laughs> is so people can class like, classify they... what they like. I, yeah, I've heard it described like humans are kind of like pattern seeking, so they just want to yeah, put totally, things yeah, yeah. in different yeah. boxes. And then when something they can't place properly comes up, it's just like, I'm angry. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. So yeah. yeah. I, Which is, I, I, I mean, and, yeah. you know, that's kind of what I was saying about how, you know, despite Protoss not being a particularly, it's not like I'm saying, hey, everyone, should, you know, this is like the, this is the way to do things, you know. It's, but I, I do consider it, you know, I, that's that's almost a one good reason to consider it as part of games, mm-hmm. because it highlights, you know, things about games. I think that. I get- People, Sorry. I guess people, I kind of want people to consider more, like, you know, why, you know, why do you, why do games like require constant like validation of things that you're doing, you know, um, like it's, the, the kind it, of kind of narcissistic, like hero centric games. Yeah, sure. right, right, and and yeah, the, the, well, yeah, that, that that sort of power fantasy kind of game thing, and and, um, but but also. Just you know, with with kind of modern games like AAA and casual games and things, where things are kind of tailored to give you reward and encouragement in a very kind of straightforward and and kind of friendly way, um, if that makes any sense. So, which is you know part of achievements and, and everything else where right right you know like game it, makers it pats you on the back it's like you did good kid you did the right yeah thing. and then and the thing you know obviously you know protest has been you know i've play tested it a lot to make sure it works but there's a certain sense of you know if you if you've got if you're making a huge you know multi-million dollar 
game you need to focus test it and you need to make sure it's got no rough edges and no one kind of gets trips up and no one feels bad about not being able to get past a certain point but i don't know if those are particularly healthy things for a medium you know you there's this you know i i kind of worry that there's a trend to make things kind of softer and more I don't know, approachable is not really the right word, but more easily digestible, I suppose. Right. Rather than like making they're just, kind of they're not ambiguous in any way. They're very explicit, like Yeah. Transparent, um, maybe. Yeah, and, and it just doesn't seem you know, it feels like we should be just kind of pushing at those borders and, and encouraging other stuff that and making other stuff that that isn't quite as I, yeah, I really don't know what the right word is. Um, you know, that isn't quite as um, direct and isn't quite as as just immediately, you know, like kind of. I mean, junk food is maybe like too strong a word. I mean, that's it almost like, seems like force war or something. Yeah. Like, th- there's definitely games of late where they'll kind of be like, no, there's the path. That's the correct path. Black Ops Go down two. the path, and you'll get right. to the place, or whichever. Like a lot of a lot of big budget games really Far like Cry the 3. constant waypoint reminders <laughs> and stuff. Like, th- th- my biggest problem with Far Cry 3 is, like, there is an interesting, like, things to do in there, but they're constantly yelling at you to do things they want you to do. Or they just force you to do the other things. Right, it's just like, well, I have a camera and a Jeep, and I'm on this island, I just want to kind of drive around and take pictures. And the game does <laughs> not let you do that, because it's got angry men shooting at you all the time, and they have means of which you can take care of those guys. And but you can't go too- swimming too far out either, because you will lose. Yeah, like, for me, I think, like, a more interesting way to design that would just be, like, there's, like, hella sharks, and you probably won't be able to get out, because they'll eat you. And right. it's just like, well, that's a mechanical reason you can't escape, because there's a logic there, instead of just... Yeah, there's just leaving mission area. Yeah, leaving right. the mission area is one of the most annoying messages to see, because it's just like, by whose standard, like, this is... <laughs> who's watching me right now and making this happen? Yeah, like, you know what my mission is? Fucking survival. I'm getting off this island. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of appreciated Just Cause 2 for that, because they just have, like, infinite loop ocean out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I was, like, one of my, like, mid-playing-it missions was just like, I'm gonna fly as far as I can. Yeah. And, like, I'm just leaving for like 30 minutes I at some point lose track of where what's up and what's down and crash my plane and then I just hop in a boat and keep going for like an hour and it's just like I'm impressed Just Cause 2 you never <laughs> just boxed me in like now I'm like where is this island in relation to anything but I'm at least free to go do stupid stuff which yeah. I broke the game maybe by someone's definition but I was still really impressed that they accounted for that possibility yeah right it's like you know, the designer's kind of saying, oh, you want to do that? Okay, fine. You know, it's not... It's, We're not going to stop you. It's just there's nothing yeah, it's there. Like, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like that that kind of easygoing thing of just, oh, you want to do that? Sure, you know, why not? And this seems like a, a nice way to treat people. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know what happens, but it seems a lot of games will kind of pl- play test out that stuff or something. It's like, well, people complain about this, so we're just going to fix that for him not like well that's kind of a different conversation that's that's relating to one we were having about um multiplayer games kind of curbing their edges to make them more approachable like they won't let you exploit stuff or break it in certain ways because they didn't account for that right yeah that's getting its own kind of thing but i guess so you like a lot of people play tested proteus presumably at various points Mm -hmm. like 
was there any stuff you'd be like, oh, that's a problem? Or was it more just kind of like, well, we want more stuff to kind of keep encouraging them to wander around? Like, when would it be considered a... Would they just press escape at some point? And they're just like, all right, like, what did you think? Like, uh, how does this go? Yeah, I mean, I, specifically things like that, the signposting to, to kind of help the... The season, season transition. Stand up. Yeah, yeah. To, to make that stand out more. That was, like, most of my playtesting input from that was um, I mean apart from just like hearing about people playing it but the most mm-hmm. important stuff was standing behind people playing it either at cafes or a lot out, obviously at um, festivals and, and anywhere where it was being shown publicly you know if I was there I would, I would stand behind people and, and I think as a that was something that felt like a really important lesson over kind of you know over the course of the project was that the the best way to test something and the best way to get feedback about it is to kind of is to to get to be you know standing behind someone in person watching them play it but to absolutely resist saying anything about it at all mm-hmm. and if they you know you have to kind of own or you, you have to if they're struggling if they're stuck or if they're bored or something you have to really kind of own that and internalize it and figure out why that is and figure out what the right response is to that rather than mm-hmm. um you know i think there's a common it's a it's a strong tendency in it as a designer and it's a common thing that people do is that if you're playtesting something then someone will kind of and i'm sure this is like a, a huge thing with kind of triple a and press preview events is that you know if someone's struggling you tap them on the shoulder and say yeah, you know you can you, you go that way mm-hmm. because you kind of want you know in a sense you want people to get through the whole thing you want them to see everything and you want them not to kind of feel struck or frustrated but i think it's much much better to you know to to kind of sit with people you know to you know to not be sitting right next to them but to be kind of sitting behind them kind of biting your hand and just kind of going oh why aren't they you know why aren't they seeing that you know what and you and you can't take the you even if sometimes you know it might be you know obviously it's it's down to variable variables that are within the play you know that, that whether they are particularly attentive to certain things or more patient or less patient mm-hmm. but you you always have to i think take the attitude that it's 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 your fault or it's your responsibility to like how far they get or where they get stuck you know is your responsibility you know where, that's not necessarily your fault like you might not want to change it but you have to at least recognize that a percentage won't see it or need yeah or just accept that that's, that's how they're playing you know this is how people are going to play it you know you can't you can't just kind of dip in and you know, you can't kind of reach over and, and tell them to go past you. You have to go away and figure out, like, like with the, the season transition stuff, um, how, you know, like little things that kind of get people to interact, to, you know, to kind of gently steer people towards it. I mean, obviously there is some, there are these, like, inbuilt waypoint kind of things in practice that are trying to, to kind of steer you into this point if you want to go there you know it's trying to it's trying to offer up these things that say you know if you interact with this thing or if you observe this thing then you you know here here's somewhere you can go if you want <laughs> um 
and and just yeah just really focusing in on that and just saying like getting to a point where you're happy with how with how quickly someone goes through it or like how long someone takes wandering around i mean you you have to be happy with that you know obviously you could put like a giant arrow and just say go here <laughs> which is right. like a trivial solution but but the point is that you the point for me anyway is to avoid doing that and to to just kind of have these little subtle hints that are the game itself almost tapping people on the shoulder and saying you know by the way there's this over here but trying to do that in as, as much a kind of hands-off unintrusive way as possible right like if you do it too forceful it could come across as like condescending or something like it's just like yeah or it's just and i could i, I would have figured that out you mean right that? right uh, yeah or it's just intrusive like you know you're, like you're saying with the far cry thing that you're you, you don't want to do that at the moment. You're doing something else. and Yeah, like well, just a just very loud heads-up display. By default, anyway, I'm hoping like you can kind of you can kind of turn some of that stuff off. It didn't but... seem to work when you did it. Yeah, there was definitely still some things it was prioritizing, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah. You Games. had to go talk to that doctor. Yep, <laughs> it really wanted me to do that. <laughs> yeah, for like an up... hour and a half. We're bringing up Far Cry too often, but the other games do that too. Like, it's not yeah, just... Sure. But yeah, like very waypoint driven kind of gating, I guess, is another kind of thing that seems weird. Like it's just like you can't go back now. You shouldn't have gone down that hallway. It's like, <laughs> what? Oh, I didn't get to check that other avenue. Oh well, I guess I'll move on. Like that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't know. It just feels weird and arbitrary. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's weird because um, Dishonored had um, yeah waypoints and kind of sort of quest notification pop ups. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying, uh, you know, for the best experience, turn those off. And I played Dishonored quite late. I played it um start of this year sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I, like, first thing I did was I went in and turned all those off. Um, but I actually went and turned them back on again because there was something, I, and I really don't know why, because obviously that's that's, totally counter to what I've just been saying about, about waypoints and things but for some right, reason right. in context of Dishonored I kind of wanted to know either I was going towards the thing that I was supposed to be going to do or I was going or I was you know I was consciously doing something else yeah and I, so even though you know that feels like a sort of heretical thing to say that I I actually really valued the waypoint markers in that because I just knew that I was either messing around or i was progressing right right yeah there's definitely kind of degrees of that or like well i guess also like in a super dense 3d space like it's easy to get lost or overwhelmed or frustrated in a bad way like we've kind of Mm -hmm. had conversations where it's like some degree of frustration almost needs to be there so that there's a sense of discovery after it but it can get too like that can get too crazy and then it just turns people off instead of feeling justifiable i don't know it's really yeah, delicate yeah. balance I, that needs to be found. I think it was that that mm-hmm. density of the space and and like there's there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, and I, which I you know it's absolutely amazing, fantastic world and and really beautifully laid out levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the there's particular bits at the start where you're you're repeatedly transversing uh, tra- traversing repeatedly traversing these um these same particular streets and squares, which was really nice that. You know, I really felt like I kind of, you felt like you were kind of settling into the city, mm. um, 
but it was nice to remove a little bit of the the kind of worry about getting lost. Right. So you know, I felt, I felt like I enjoy that more just by by um, having those markers on. Yeah, like sometimes it helps for me if there's like some sort of in universe explanation as to why it is you're seeing what you're seeing. Like, I mean, it's 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 a kind of overused example for me, but like Far Cry Two, you have a GPS thing and like a satellite phone, and it's just like, all right. Well, and well, all now, the GTA games, it's. Cell phone driven maps and stuff. Yeah, you can assume like in the Saints Row and GTA games that like you just have a GPS system in your car or something. Mm-hmm. But like once you get into like period pieces and stuff, it gets into kind of like what? How is this? How is he seeing this? Like I don't like magic, mm. I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, that's actually. I mean, my taking uh, Dishonored again. Uh, like the 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 character you play in that game knows that city. There. Yeah, so, yeah. That like there's was my a, mental justification about why I was allowing myself to turn the markers on. <laughs> like, well, like he's but, lived here for years, so he would know that. He just has to kind of convey that information to me. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously that that logic doesn't apply when you're in the later levels where it's all new stuff or it's kind of ruined oh, areas. Right. But it's an unexplored area or something. Yeah. It's, yeah, which and I, but I, obviously I just left the waypoint markers on <laughs> because right. at that point like, I, was, well, gonna... I was happy with my way of playing it. So yeah, whatever. No, oh, yeah, that's that's that, that is kind of an odd. Like I don't know. Yeah, like there's definitely a certain fear to really frustrate the player because you could just drive away a considerable number of people. But I don't know. Like I've been really curious about Miasmata, but I have not been able to play that on a proper PC. But I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, that's on my list. Sure. Yeah, like just like. Island navigation, but in a way that is like very like not I'm gonna say realistic, but getting lost is a real concern. And yeah, it, that was um, that. yeah the um, idle thumbs chat about yeah no they were that they're was, quite excited about it as well. I just don't have a PC capable of playing it as of right now, so I don't. It was just screwing up, but whatever. Um, I don't know island games. Um, I guess, okay, just going a bit more generally, I guess, to, I guess, your history as a developer, like, is this the first real major game you've worked on, or is there other stuff that I just was not seeing on uh, here? It's the first, it's the first indie game that I've released. Um, I oh. worked in the games industry, um, before that. Um, oh, okay. I worked on Battalion Wars, uh, 1 and 2 on the GameCube and Wii, and, oh. um, some games before that as well, just like, one of the spin-offs of Theme Park. Um, just various little UK games companies. Oh, okay. So th- this was the first, like, y- you're in c- the creative seat, I guess, kind of, right? Like, I'm, I'm yeah, assuming... right, yeah, yeah. Not, okay. yeah. not working on someone else's project, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I was, a, I was a coder on those projects, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Is it kind of liberating being able to be in a creative... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazingly different. Um if you're, you know, if you're just working as part of a team, a big, you know, like a 30, 50 plus team, right? You, you know, you're never gonna have any direct contact with players or press or, you know, you can obviously you can check forums and you can see what people are saying about it, but you, that feeling of connection is completely different. I mean, it's it almost sounds like a cliche now, but for you to be able to talk directly to someone. As a developer, as well as as a player, you know, if you're playing indie games, you can just like, email the person who made it and <laughs> just ask them something about it or chat right, about right. it. And 
but as a developer it's 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 really nice you know i feel like i've made so many new like friends and acquaintances and had like good random conversations over the past couple of years just from, mm-hmm. from making this and people getting in touch with um so that's yeah that's that's really fantastic although it's weirdly the the obviously there's the other side of it is that now like you're the you're one or like you're one of two people that are responsible for this thing right and you know if if you know if you've worked on bad games at a big studio you can just say well you know and probably quite rightly you know this is all you know management decided this or like it was it had to ship at this point or it you know the design was set by the ip holder or something so we couldn't do anything about it and, and you know totally been through all those kind of annoying problems whilst working on on commercial games but you you don't you know as well as not having those restrictions you also don't have those excuses so you mm-hmm. have to you have to own what you've made and and so like critique it, hits a little harder or like because it's so much more personal or uh yeah i mean I'm, I'm thinking more just the fact that you I, I don't know if it it's not particularly like hitting hard that i'm thinking of it's more just um that you have just a greater sense of responsibility yeah okay um and if I, it's more just the knowledge that if you, you know, people don't like it, or, or you know, people do or don't like it, whatever. You know, if people if if people don't like it, then it's it's because you made it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I I don't the, the the critique thing kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about um, whether I was avoiding reviews or, or anything and or, or comment threads is the other classic one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'll read the comments. I oh, know that was a terrible idea, um, and that stuff. I don't know. I mean, that's just. It is definitely weird going from previous like levels of exposure to that stuff to to current levels where everyone's got an opinion and you know people are you know occasionally just like totally uninformed about things or they just they're just kind of angry because they bought it and they thought it was going to be something else or mm-hmm. stuff that's that's kind of and you know there's a huge amount of really positive stuff and, and people, people tend to, um, for the negative stuff, people, it's almost exclusively or almost literally hundred percent has just not been directly at me. It's just, you know, comment rage or just generally just internet rage. Right. Um, right. But all, but loads of the positive stuff. I mean, there's been lots of like that kind of that positive stuff, which is kind of undirected, you know, just like public tweets or whatever. But also lots and lots of like nice messages directly to me. So even when I was getting quite uh, like tired of of like reading you know negative stuff, then there was still so much. It was still just like massively outweighed by the positives. Um, either yeah, mm-hmm. publicly stated stuff or stuff that was direct to me. Yeah. Um. So I mean. Um, there's a bunch of other Indies that live in Cambridge, so we have these meetups, and I went around to uh, Terry Kavanagh, Stephen Lavelle, and Sophie Holden's house. They all have this um, flat together in Cambridge, and ah, uh, yes, no, the indie the, house, I guess. Yes, another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm sick of seeing all these like, negative stuff, but you know, at least there are some people being nice, and uh, they were like, right, let's look, shall we? You know, search Twitter. And then they started reading out all this positive stuff and just saying, look, you're totally, you're totally, um, 
you know, filtering out the negative stuff, you know, selectively, you know, doing that thing where you, you, you pick out all the bad stuff that people are saying. And, right, right. And like I was like, that. okay, yeah, fair enough, you're right. I should just have a break. <laughs> yeah, I have that problem personally. One like bad comment will take precedent over 20 great comments. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Would, would, like, I guess it's it's a thing that can come up. Like, would you consider yourself your harshest critic in some way or not really? Like, it's... Like, do you feel 100% comfortable, or I guess 100% might be asking a lot, but like, if you're like, yeah, Proteus is exactly what I wanted, so you guys are wrong, Yeah, and here's um, why. Yeah, I am very, uh, very critical of myself, um, okay. and other people as well, I'm just generally critical. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, going back to that about being independent and mm-hmm. own, having to own the stuff you're making, then you you either have to you either have to fix it or you have to come to terms with the fact of like why it is like it is. You know, if you you just don't have the resources or you don't have time or right, right. So or, just, or you know, or yeah. you, you narrow your focus to do a particular thing and, and that's the thing that you're doing. And, okay. And definitely, well, like you were talking about like procedural towns and all this extraneous stuff, and it's just like, well, at some point, no, it's just unrealistic. Like. I'm not sure if that was specifically in relation to Proteus or that RPG you were talking about. No, that, that about. was... Well, that, they they merged into each other at that point. Yeah, yeah. But, but, like, you kind of... Like, I guess the decisions to kind of cut things and trim down is... Yeah, to you choose know. what you're going to focus on. And, and Yeah. You know, it's, I guess I, guess I, I, could, the, I could kind of relate that to, like, game jam type stuff. Like, have you participated in a lot of game jams? Or have you been... Some, through- I'm, I'm not very good <laughs> doing it. Uh, okay. I'm pretty terrible at making something in three hours or or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But well, I'm, I'm like, kind of yeah, I'm kind of thinking of doing maybe trying to get into that more kind mm-hmm. of sense Proteus and yeah, try to get some experience with those things like Unity that make it easier for you to create stuff quickly. Um, right. Like, what engine did you use for this, or did you code everything like your own? Unique? It's um, yeah, it's basically homemade. It's using. Okay. OpenGL and some other things, but it's um, it's also uh, Alex May who worked on Eufloria. He's like one of the, the two people behind Eufloria. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. A lot of the a lot of the code is um, at least in the old version of Eufloria, it's shared between these two things. So just the framework of how things are set up, and not really obviously they, they, the two things look completely different. But there's a lot of kind of structural code in there, which which is common. So oh, okay, yeah, he he had a big part in in that foundation stuff and he's also been helping out recently with just some freelance to help get the mm-hmm. release out um mm-hmm. but but yeah essentially it's it's a, it's a homegrown thing and, and that has its advantages and disadvantages of being easy to it, it's you know you're you're less um it's less easy to make something which which falls into a path of leaf resistance and looks like lots of other things because you're having to do things from scratch and you you can have like direct control over making things look how you want within certain parameters of, of not being a particular graphics expert. Right. Um, but then you also, you have these like technical problems of, you know, obviously unity has like a, a huge engine team that makes it pretty much guaranteed to work on every system that, that unity supports. Um, but you know, it's easier you know, when you're not, when you don't have that kind of tested foundation, it's, it's, uh, you can, get random machine specific bugs cropping up right it, does proteus like is that does it only run on windows or what is the 
No, it's Mac as well, and there's the Linux version coming out pretty soon. Oh, okay. Um, so, you, so you've managed to get some different compatibility stuff going on? Like, are you just kind yeah, of testing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had a um, friend of mine is doing the the Mac side of it. It's just, um, it's essentially cross-platform, because, um, so dot, it's written in C-sharp, and that runs on .NET, which is a Microsoft Windows mm-hmm. thing. But then there's also Mono, um, which is an open source version of that, which is is available for everything, so Mac and Linux and PC and various other things. Oh, so, okay. without too much work, it's possible to just run the same code on on Mac and Linux. I think you're the first person we've talked to who just uses C sharp, just right. like straight coding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I okay. I just want to go back a little bit. You worked on Battalion Wars, you said. Yeah. So you worked for Kuju. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Um. Like, I don't know how much you can divulge from that sort of thing. I'm sure they had you sign agreements and stuff. I was just kind of curious what it was like working under the constraints of, like, what Nintendo wanted for this Advance Wars series-type game that has been, like, pretty big for them and stuff. Like, what type of constraints would they put on you for something like that on that type of project? Um, I mean, I don't know what I can say either because it's so long ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that, I mean, I could probably say some fake stuff. Well, I guess you were kind of like you were kind <laughs> no, of like, talking about license holders and such. Yeah, like, like I don't want to get into specifics. Like they like whipped right. us every day at lunch, <laughs> and we had to eat <laughs> gruel or something like that. Like right. what I'm asking is like maybe more of a comparison. Like, did you notice quite a bit more freedom in that regard, where you were making the decisions as opposed to like, well, we have like these three different companies making decisions in an office somewhere, and I'm just kind of getting the memo of what we have to do like what type i guess um, like what was a jump like that for you well i would that say that description? Yeah. <laughs> um i don't think nintendo had for me personally as a as a developer i don't think nintendo had or, or just the fact that it was a a publisher a rights hold you know license holder had that much of an impact um i think when you're working at a studio the yeah, you know, the 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 constraints come, or well, certainly you know, students I've worked at, the constraints come from like the design team and the production team, or the yeah you know, the 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 leads, yeah you know, the like lead designer, lead programmer. Right, right. The, you, you're kind of the next levels up the hierarchy from where you are. Um, Nintendo, but there's like a face to it, like you can still see that person. Uh, yeah, and pe- I, I guess things do come out come in externally, so there'll be some. Some constraint will come in where it's like, or like other companies, not Nintendo, where they said, okay, we've we've done our focus test, and the person that conducted the focus test has given has sent through this like list of twenty points, and you've got to put those in, huh. and you do get that. It's just like just dumb stuff that where people who aren't particularly involved in the game invest in it just can make requirements from like the publisher side, mm-hmm. and as developers, you're like just chafing under <laughs> the <laughs> thing of just like it's like you know well i put a lot of work in to make that really good but now i've got to take that out because someone says that it's you know it doesn't work um but nintendo didn't nintendo were like one of the best companies to to to, to kind of work for indirectly um in that sense because they that you know they obviously the you know if anyone <laughs> knows good kind of like popular game design it's them and, and they 
they had kind of external design people who who would were like really steering the design in, in in really good ways and making it more like a you know more like a Nintendo game you know it's kind of classic right simple you know solid feeling simple stuff that goes into Nintendo games um mm-hmm. but I mean the, the my kind of gradual building frustration with games industry was wasn't it it certainly wasn't anything to do with them and it was but it was more I, I would agree that general trend of getting requirements coming in from either publisher or a ip holder and just being imposed on on kind of you as a team is really annoying and then you're always you know you'll kind of get good and bad things coming from within the team as well you know from like senior people who you know they're trying to kind of herd these cats together to to get to get the project you know the, the way they want but it's that can be just inherently frustrating because they're not the ones working on it and you know you, you don't necessarily agree with their design decisions so you just have to you just have to accept that you just have to get on and do things how they want things to be done you can kind of steer things a bit i suppose but um yeah that's that whole you know it's i'm just <laughs> expanding it really from nintendo or you know i'm probably gonna get sued by nintendo no i mean from just generally external publishers that they're just part of one big kind of infrastructure which affects what you're doing as a developer on a, a team on a on a on a big project right uh-huh. whereas that whole you know it's not just them it's not just like something as simple as just the publishers or just the ip holders it's that whole structure is all taken away from you right um, and obviously then you you have to deal with things like being self-motivated and and planning and doing all your scheduling yourself and and that's that multitasking aspect of it is has definitely been one of the hardest things for me over the past year of figuring out like what what is my job now you know my job previously was just coding you know i was just like here's a features you've got to do okay you can help you can may have like some input into the the specific design of these features mm-hmm. but you know exactly what you're doing and you just you just sit and do that but now it's like okay i've got to talk to press and i've got to um plan you know i've got to figure out like i've got to talk to valve and humble and people about you know you've got to figure out your distribution like how you're going to sell it you've got to fill in your expenses and it's just the the amount of stuff is just absolutely ridiculous um yeah we've we've definitely heard some some feedback that that kind of suggests like once you go into that independent space like there are no deadlines anymore so it's really easy to kind of not get do something when you yeah or just or just keep going over the same things more and more like you don't finish things you just kind of yeah right that's that's a big thing um like so how do you decide like when it's done you know, like that's that's been kind of a yeah. point of concern for some, but you know. um, I mean, there are there are deadlines in the sense that you know, if I hadn't, if we hadn't got Proteus out last month, yeah, then um, because I, just from just speaking from my point of view, and I live with my girlfriend and we rent a house, and yeah, we've obviously got to pay bills, and and she works, so the the funding from the funding over the last year of of just like paying bills was um a mixture of her salary 
um, some savings and some beta sales for Proteus and pre-orders. Right. Um, yeah. And none of those together, no, none of those, yeah, you know, none of those individually would have would have made it. So it's not like. Yeah, I was you know, kind of curious if you transitioned out of like big team work to like just jump right into independent, or was it kind of like part time development on it for a while? Oh, part time, yeah. So for about um, like two or three years before I went full time. Right. Okay. The Proteus or other prototypes, um, and that was that's a big, just that, yeah, that going from doing something spending your spare time doing it but not relying on it to make money mm-hmm. and going to to okay now you know this thing is now at a stage where it now needs to be finished and it needs to make money it, and like, I mean, requires more good. attention in a lot of ways to like like you were yeah, saying just, talking it, to it, media it just, getting financing or like well getting pla- like platforms of selling it and whatnot yeah um you have to but I, I suppose it's more the design side of it, or the motivation. Whilst you're actually doing it, you, you're kind of thinking, you know, when you're when you're working on some spare time and you don't have that time pressure, that's really when you, you know, you can go over things lots of times. So I think, like, um, uh, Paul, like you were, I think, saying earlier about, what was it? I can't, sorry, I can't remember what you guys were just saying it, but, but um, about how how do you, you know you go over and over and over something, and how do you know when it's done? You know, you just you're spending mm maybe like weeks on some small thing because you you're never quite satisfied with it i i guess my i pretty much oh no, i don't know if i did anyway i had a lot of that when i was doing it part-time so i could kind of learn that lesson mostly i could like 70 percent learn that lesson anyway i think i've had instances since but could mostly learn that in a sort of safe environment of not particularly needing to you know it's not like if i did do that then it would um you know, it would it would be like a a big waste of time, and like right. you know, you'd like burn whole weekends and just thinking, watch, I just spent a whole weekend working on something that I'm not going to use or whatever, and and that was really annoying. <laughs> you know? yeah. But but it's not like you're, you know, you spent that time when you really, you know, you you you're not feeling the same pressure. Um, mm-hmm. So and that you know that and that's but it's but it's nice to be able to do that. I think that's part of what makes Proteus what it is is that the majority of development time was spent doing it part-time so it didn't have any commercial pressure it didn't have any um like pressure of conventions to to make something fit into a certain mold so and 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 by the time I went full-time on it it had been you know been in a few festivals and it had got some like good press and people had played it and and you know I had some confidence that that was a good a good way to go with it so right. so it was possible to kind of at the point of changing from that that low pressure um spare time development to a more high pressure um like commercially minded development it was possible to at that point sort of lock it in place and say okay whatever happens that it seems like that is a kind of good vision for what it should be so just kind of bear that in mind even though you know, you have you feeling different pressures. Um, yeah, okay. I guess I I kind of was curious about some of like the festivals and conventions and stuff. Like, have you been to many conventions with the game as well, or like, do you get to interact with that kind of gaming enthusiast public a lot? Or 
Um, I've not been to the huge ones. I've been to um, the the first one I went to was Indicade, um, okay. which is quite niche and quite small, and, and and just a really nice little kind of friendly atmosphere mm-hmm. festival. Um, and then IGF, I went, I went one year when it it wasn't it wasn't actually in there. I just took it along on my laptop just to to show it to people, and that was that was kind of part of that early process of um, getting some, some confidence in that, that it was a good direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was obviously it was in IGF as well when it was uh, shortlisted and, and going to GDC. And that was much more, I mean, GDC is strange because it's massive, but it's also, you know, it's more of an industry event and it's developers and press and people. So you don't really, you don't get that kind of direct feedback or direct well, it's like a it's a pretty knowledgeable audience, like it's peers in a sense, so they yeah. they know how to perceive a beta or an early build or whatever. Like, yeah, well, I'm assuming well, you're kind of sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's that, and it's also that I think there's a the other element to it is that they have you know there's more of a an industry perspective to it like people want to know where it fits in you know what genre is this and oh, okay like so they're more receptive to its differences it. and it's like conventional changes and whatnot or i don't know i'm not I, sure I, if that's I, like more... fair to say of them I, I haven't been to gdc i'm just kind of trying to relate it to oh. developers i've talked to and whatnot but yeah, yeah just i mean obviously there's this igf you know, is, is specifically like rewarding, you know, independent stuff. But yeah, yeah. General as that that general kind of business businessy kind of industry kind of atmosphere that, um, as a whole, your people have more preconceptions, I suppose, in a in a sense that they they want to know, you know, where does this fit into, you know, where how does this relate to what they're doing, and and mm-hmm. where does that, you know. W- I don't know what you know, what kind of game is it. What a, um, is it a game? <laughs> but if you, the the only the the events when I've taken it and had it being played by just ordinary members of the public, which is you know sometimes that's you you, you get a different spectrum then because you get people who either you know play a lot of indie games or don't play any or don't play any games at all and are kind of really new to stuff or are like you know like hardcore FPS gamers and they're they're obviously more kind of conservative, you know, it's like real gamer gamers are more conservative in their tastes and for these kind of weird things. Um, but that's nice to, after having been to GDC, it's nice to show, nice to have it being played just by people who aren't developers and who don't have that perspective on it. And, mm-hmm. and going back to that, you know, so this is where a lot of that testing was happening where I was just like watching over people's shoulders and, and seeing how people how people got through it and how people reacted to it and whether they, you know, at what point they got bored and things. Um, and just, uh, this is, um, it's kind of with that, that playtesting, it's a kind of classic problem when, if you're testing it with other developers, um, that even from my point of view, like if I'm testing someone else's game, then I'm constantly thinking, Oh, you know, if I was designing it, I would, you know, here's my, Here's my thoughts on like how how I would do that if I was designing it, and it's it's really hard to shut that down, um, and just to to kind of approach something just as a 
as a kind of naive player just coming just picking up something and playing it but but it's you know it's two completely different types of feedback there's a, there's a sort of how would you know a designery kind of brain feedback where you're you're thinking about how you do things and obviously that's kind of useful because if people have solved similar problems before they can they can give you feedback on those things like more constructive feedback but they also people also you know, there's a lot more baggage that comes with that. Whereas if you just give it to someone and just say, "Hey, here's a game. You know, you maybe you play games, see what you think," mm-hmm. then it's much less filtered and it's much. Going back to that connection, as you know, working in industry versus working as a an indie, you that connection to players is is just a really interesting, nice thing to happen. Um, and so that's, I guess that's what I'm saying that that GDC you get that less because everyone as peers, everyone is you're kind of maneuvering around this this thing of you know that's not quite how I would design it or or that's interesting hmm yeah maybe I'll use that idea or whatever mm-hmm. um, yeah I can't remember where that question was going I'm just <laughs> well I, I guess I have a I have a different question now that that. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. Like we've kind of talked about a lot of like game, like people familiar with games and such, and like game perspectives of theirs and whatnot. But um, I guess relating earlier to when I was kind of talking about it in relation to music, like have you thought about kind of pitching it to music blogs and stuff as kind of like a music experience? Because like specifically, I'm thinking of uh, I, I forget his last name, but Bennett, aka Quap Guy. Uh, you know? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I remember seeing like a a simple little game of his on Pitchfork, like a major music blog. Yeah. At one point, like I guess in relation to, oh, what is cut. the, yeah, cut copy. Um, so I was just I was just wondering if it was like, hey, this is an ambient music experience. Like, could you kind of maybe get some inroads into that that like outsider perspective? Like, have, have you considered that? Yeah, or? we have a little bit. I mean, especially I mean, David's, uh, you know, he's musician composer yeah yeah you you know he's particularly interested in, in getting it out to more people and and, and obviously mm-hmm. that's just as the, so we, we've definitely done that a little bit and i think it, there was some interview with david on on pitchfork um oh okay but but it's and this is that's why it's like a year ago now but um it's because it's Proteus is really accessible and it doesn't demand like a huge amount of game literacy to play it. Yeah, like it's not like um, you're going to be dying over and over and failing yeah. in conventional right. ways. Like, right. You're just exploring. So single space jumps, platforming, none of that. Yeah, yeah. like not to, yeah, yeah like approachability in its own kind of. It's, it's yeah, like I don't know. It makes sense pretty pretty yeah. quickly. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the kind of reaching out to music blogs is, is definitely, like, interesting from that point of view of, of getting mm-hmm. beyond just being in the games press. But well, I, Like, now that it's, like, a finished thing that has its kind of already found some audience, like, I'm just wondering other ways it could get out there. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Um, I mean, I don't know. We've done it a little bit, but I don't know. It's really hard to know. It, it feels like you're... You know, within games press, you know, if you've been in the games industry for a while, then you kind yeah. of know... You know, like this website will like that kind of game, so you, you know they'll, you know maybe, maybe they'll like it, and and you know you know all the like lists of websites send things out to, and everyone, you know they all link to each other, or you know there's 
there's a, you know there's a, it's really obviously they're you know they're pretty independent but there's it's kind of a tight network of, of things but yeah there. there's a known network of gaming stuff that yeah i guess yeah. like it's it's venturing into territory i have no idea about either i don't follow music blogs very very much but it just seems like something that could interest others yeah but, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah it's just, you know, we get these odd bits of interest, but yeah, it's it's just so hard to know how to move beyond that and how to these kind of like sparser networks of of people right. talking. There's really just like a tent at a music festival or something, and it's just like I don't know. It seems weird, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. we should try. That. But like, yeah. Um, I guess yeah. Uh, we, I guess we briefly touched on game jams. Like you, like that's been kind of a source of creativity for a lot of people we've been talking about. But I guess you haven't been to many. Um. Yeah, I, I, t- I actually go to them. There's been a few in Cambridge, and I've been to them, but I, I tend to just go and hang out with people and, and maybe work oh. on something which I don't finish. But I, I don't tend to, I don't Excel. regularly do the leading diary things, and I don't, I don't tend to finish anything. So, <laughs> yeah. like the, I've heard some are more competitive in nature. Like the one I've attended was very easygoing, and I was not much help, but I still felt like everyone had a good time. So yeah, I was okay right. with that. But yeah. And I guess it's it's easy to kind of like yeah that networking and meeting new people and game enthusiasts yeah. and whatnot it's definitely seems to be a shared experience. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. Like it seems like the a question is like, hey, what's next? But it's pretty early to say that, <laughs> you know. Apparently, well, the Linux yeah. port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so. yeah, that's that's not me making that. But um, oh. <laughs> there's, and there's other stuff. There's uh, there's you know, Proteus isn't quite finished in the sense that um, mm-hmm. I do want to do one more bigish update on it later in okay. the year um, and I don't know how much of that will be um, new content or there's some we've got some plans for a, a kind of modding system mm-hmm. like remix and things so you can kind of reskin the whole thing and, and put different creatures and different music and, and create completely different atmospheres and things. So oh okay just, uh, could be a nice thing um and then yeah i've got to try and there's a few little bug fixes that i want to try and get into a patch sort of soonish mm-hmm. um but not too many um and then also we during the beta we sold pre-orders for um what we called the artifact edition which is a, a physical packaged um cd with like booklets and little things ah, like. okay like a special um, yeah right and so we just we need to finish that we've been doing a bit of research recently into production and fulfillment um right okay and david's working on a soundtrack to that at some point you know it's just like full album length Mm -hmm. arrangement of all the sound from the game um so yeah we've got to do that and that's like a kind of pressing obligation um right so and then i've been i've been just playing around with some other ideas just I kind of there's another exploration based game that I want to make, which is um, it's a lot of stuff that didn't fit into Proteus and something. It's actually going to be, and I, it's going to have more game mechanics. And I, I like my contrary side was after the whole uh, game not game business. I was thinking, oh, you know, part of me was thinking like, no, I'm not going to go and like bounty or wins but i've basically already been planning this from ages ago to to do something which is it's kind of different and and to stretch myself from you know i don't want to just make something similar i just want to yeah oh, okay spider whites and flaming scimitar yeah <laughs> there's some ideas <laughs> yeah no you can't do that because then you have to pay calvin 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. And I'll don't know. give him any more money. He's already <laughs> no. rich. He's indie rich. <laughs> That's not true, is it? No, I'm... I don't know. It's totally not. <laughs> okay. I'm just basing that on the fact that he bought that one dude a drink that one okay. time because That's that pretty... other dude was poor. Yeah. <laughs> That's some highfalutin type business. Um, Buying I guess... your friend a drink. Highfalutin. Yep. yep. That's what we call it. Um, I guess I, I, do, I guess just the kind of questions like, hey, what games are you playing recently? Is there anything that's standing out? You were talking about Dishonored quite a bit. Um, we were kind yeah. of quiet on the subject, but neither of us have played it extensively. I played so, yeah. maybe two hours of it, so... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I finished it um, mm-hmm. sometime last month. and yeah. Is that great. story worth seeing through? It seems like it would be. Yeah, yeah. I actually... What was what really struck me about Dishonored is the the world and even the like you know if you play um, Skyrim or something there's all these books lying around yeah yeah and they're all full of this kind of pretty ropey <laughs> kind of lore yeah stuff but but actually in Dishonored I thought those were really amazing I, mean, I, I think people probably it's not maybe not a universal opinion but. Just the, the the depth that they went into in kind of like sketching out this world of these other continents with sort of horrible stuff on them um, mm-hmm. was was really great and yeah the story I I, I sort of I don't know the, the the there was bits of it where I was a bit dissatisfied but overall as game stories go it was pretty great um, what are the things I've been playing recently um, I've been playing uh, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. <laughs> Okay. Nice. It's pretty nice. Um, and just, but, you know, I played that to death when it came out, pretty much. Um, and it's just that's like a weird comfort gaming feeling where I just kind of know where everything is and know where all the characters are. So it's it feels a little bit cheating. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else? Um, actually, talking about Calvin playing Real Texas oh. recently. Okay. Um, I haven't. I got a little bit stuck on that, but yeah, I was enjoying that. That's another one that was. Um, I had a bit of a, a spell just after Christmas, at the end of last year, where um, I thought, okay, I'm gonna catch up on a bunch of indie games. So I like bought Real Texas, Little Inferno, um, some of the uh, FTL. I think I bought around then. Just just like a okay. bunch of things that I knew, like I I should play to just kind of catch up with. Either because everyone was talking about them, or because friends had made them, or because they sounded like something I'd like. So I just did a bit of a catch up. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, are there? I guess like this is. I don't. I don't know why these come across as like weird formulaic questions, but they do yield interesting uh, pondering sometimes. Like, uh, are there any developers of late or just ever that were specifically pretty inspirational, or like I want to do what that guy does? Like th- those kind of revelations, or um, not so much. Yeah, this. I, I'm not sure. Or if there's a specific game, but, I guess but, that was like. Well, say so the reason the for getting keep, into the business. Uh, the, the 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 game that um, actually there's another game that I've been playing, which is Vespa Five, um, which is this crazy um, one turn per day exploration game. Mm-hmm. kind of exploration game i don't know it's like it's just it's so it's incredibly simple but you because of it has this kind of nice ambience to it and this this kind of things to discover so it's 
it's a little bit Proteus-ish, but you, you, it's kind of grid-based, tile-based, and you make one move per day. And your character just sits down after he's moved, and then you have to remember to play it the next day. And I think I'm I'm something like seventy or eighty days into playing that. Okay. Um, and it's <laughs> it's really strange. I mean, it's I I totally recommend it. It's it's um it's bizarre because it takes obviously it takes a long span of time overall to to kind of do anything, but you just get these weird effects where you'll see something that you want to go and like move your character over to look at, but it might be five days away. Um, and it's very respectful of your time because um, because it takes such a short amount of time to just beat it up, do your move, and then close it again. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember to do it. And I think and it's pretty interesting in that it's a, another borderline game. Um, right. But it does this weird thing with... And you know, there's not that much more to it. Um, there's a little, there's some other things to, to discover as you go along, but mm-hmm. it's it's very very minimal and, and quickly made. And um, so that you know, I, that idea of um, that's something that's really on my mind at the moment is this idea of um, if you can sort of s- stretch out the game experience over multiple days and force people to kind of keep coming back to the same world can you create more of a sense of of that world kind of being lived in and feeling like home and feeling like this this kind of taking on the air of of a being a real place right um, and that's something like I, by being a daily activity over a long period of time it becomes huh yeah, yeah because yeah because like every time you know it's like um uh you know, like if you're walking down the street where you live and you, you always see the same shop front um, and you're, you know, you, it just becomes, the, you know, you walk past, you know, something you walk past every day and like you you, know, you see it all the time and it it somehow just kind of wears, you know, creates this little space in your brain which is just occupied by that thing. Right. Um, like just part of your game world, in a sense, if you want to relate it to specifically to games or the game yeah, is or, up yeah. for an IGF thing too. Um, yeah, you, know, you wake up and look out the window, and it's it's always the same thing. And just I don't know, there's something about that sense of place, which I I mean I don't know if it's particularly necessary to stretch over days, but there's there's some stuff in Vesper Five um, which I really want to it because it 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 so loosely sketches out this idea and just mm-hmm. kind of leaves. There. And as a designer, it's like it just seems to suggest all these other little things like what would happen if you, if it was um, something I was thinking of doing with this other game perhaps is that, you know, one, you can play for one game day from your, the moment when your character wakes up to when they go to sleep and then you have to wait for another day and play the next one. And maybe I'll check it out and make that just like a single mode in the game so you can choose to play it like that. But whether that will have the same effect as being, such a simple binary thing of you have exactly one move per day, um, so it feels like it has all these little things to explore in it, as uh, from a kind of game design point of view. Okay. Um, and that, that's a guy called Michael Bro, yeah, um, who yeah made that and made a bunch of other things like Ves- uh, Zaga Thirty Three, as uh, little roguelike and glitch tank and things. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I like stuff. the idea of a game that's like, how far into it are you? Oh, about three months. Yeah, it's like oh, 
Jesus, all right. <laughs> it's like, no, that's only like half the game. I think if you're speedrunning it, you can do it in 100 days. Or well, not speedrunning, but, you know, taking the minimum path through. Do you, like, are you able to cheat that by, like, cheating or setting your clock and date ahead on your computer or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think you can... I think there's some even more... Um, more effective way of hacking it that um, a friend of mine did it like on the second day of that game being out. It's just, oh, I just cheated into the whole game. But I'm like, whenever I talk to him about it, I'm just constantly, it's like, you're only cheating yourself, you know, you just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of breaks the point of the game because the well, point of the game is to take it every day. My only comparison point is probably Animal Crossing, where like, I knew you could break it, but I, it's so much better if it's like, no, it's Christmas, and if you boot it up on Christmas, there's Christmas stuff happening. But yeah. you don't just fast forward to Christmas and then get a bunch of presents or something. Like it just you, you yeah. can break your own world, which yeah, I didn't do that. But yeah, yeah, I um, guess the risk is eventually after like four months you'll probably stop playing it anyway. But right, yeah. yeah, and then Animal Crossing, you come back after a long time and your town's all kind of in ruins, isn't it? Or it's all overgrown. And... Well, it like just bugs and yeah. or like well weeds everywhere and people might have moved away and. Yeah, 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 that can happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's uh, I, I mean, it's not really, it's not particularly anything like Animal Crossing, but it. it I just mean like in terms of daily worth, habit part of it. Yeah, right, exactly. No, it's definitely it's worth considering in the same space. Like if you're thinking about games that stretch, you know, that have some relation to real days. Yeah, um, and and have that dipping in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and like World of Warcraft had the daily. Uh, quests that would reset every 24 hours or whatever. Right. Yeah. Sorry, just MMOs. I don't know. But, um, sorry. <laughs> hey, if you want this idea of an open world where you can do anything, that's where you have to look. MMOs, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, Single yeah, player. I don't play too many. I've played a, a lot of Guild Wars once. Um, yeah. The original. Um, but then, yeah, I. It, they don't really fit into my life. <laughs> right. You you really need you a certain situation to really take those in. Yeah. You know, you, you really, um, they can really just suck up time. So I, yes. I guess I just, I played a bit and then it's like, okay, that's, I'm just not, I'm going to appreciate those from afar <laughs> from now on. Definitely. Yeah. I can um, relate. I'm just curious. Like, did the Proteus uh, Steam situation happen prior to Greenlight? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, it was. It was the one of the last ones to go through before Greenlight. Um, okay. I actually submitted it to. I was. I mean, I was going to submit to them anyway. But I there was the there was an event in London where they announced Greenlight simultaneously to when it was being announced on on Steam. Uh, oh. Sorry, online <laughs> and on Steam. Um, and. Yeah, so I knew that was coming up, and I knew I was going to go to it. So I thought, right, I'll submit a couple of days before that, so that the the thing is like on their system. And then if I get talking to someone, I can say, hey, you know, how about you know, did you see that game I submitted? Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the event, they were kind of did a bit of like like with every launch thing, they do a bit of preamble, like talking about context, and it's like, ah, oh, we've got this new thing, green light. So it's like, okay, throw that away, <laughs> figure out what's going on. But they did say so they were they were clearing the queue of things they had before at the end of Greenlight. So Greenlight was at the point where I heard from Steam, Greenlight was already up and running. So right. I wasn't 
you know, maybe would have been in a position where it would have had to resubmit via Greenlight, which would have been a real pain because then you have to run that whole campaign and ask for votes and it's not it doesn't have zombies in it, so it makes it a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of been uh, a running poll we've been doing with developers is like whether or not they perceive Greenlight as a positive thing or negative. And yeah, that that kind of amount of dedication that you have to make to the popularity contest of it all seems to be That was Calvin's common. aspect for sure. He was like, yeah. well, I looked at it like I could either just make another better game or fix my game <laughs> or I could ask, beg people to vote for it. So yeah. Like, yeah. I'd rather be doing this. Just the use of time at some point. Like, I don't know. Have you looked at Greenlight much or... Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, not not from the sense of me having to use it because once you're, you know, once yeah, you yeah. have existing relationship, you're, you're with Valve safe and, and secure in there. So. Yeah, in theory. Um, yeah. but it doesn't seem like a particularly positive thing. Um, mm-hmm. to me just because you, if you have, I mean, obviously, you know, lots of good games have gone through on Greenlight, but there's been lots of games that haven't gone through. Like, um, yeah, really beautiful looking polished things like Incredipede which were kind of languishing I, I think that has I think that just got fast tracked because it was an IGF just now but there's games that are not particularly conducive to having like a huge community of people around them that or you know that you can you know you have your game forum already and you just say hey guys one green light go and vote and everyone just kind of votes and you go through um, yeah. and it, it just seems I mean yeah tying this into the definition of game thing that that it seems like another kind of way of narrowing things down because people already they already want certain things and you're gonna get a focus on those like things established norms and stuff whereas yeah something atypical would have a harder time making yeah a case definitely hard i mean definitely yeah that yeah, atypical things go through but they're you know it's, it's a handicap and, and you have to be really impressive but it just the the kind of that kind of crowdsourced curation doesn't seem like it's the way to get interesting things on okay and, and i think it's interesting what valve was saying about the or at least gabe newell in that um i think i think it was dice again he was talking about um making steam more of a a kind of sales api with lots of different like curated storefronts and then yeah, almost more like an app store, I guess, more like the, I, the iOS system where you submit stuff for approval and then it it goes through and there isn't quite the same process. So I don't know. It feels like they're they're Valve kind of know that it's not the best system and they're going to work on it. So it seems like hopefully if they if they don't lose confidence or don't lose focus on that, then something pretty good will come out of it. But yeah, at the moment it just feels like another kind of thing in the way rather than a rather than an opportunity mm-hmm. yeah um I, I think that's all i have for game related questions i did have one uk question though if that's okay okay um i'm basically just are you familiar with the actor steve coogan and how do you yeah. feel about him okay uh yeah he's, <laughs> he's, he's all right <laughs> all right uh I'm not, I'm not a huge fan but yeah i enjoyed um the alan partridge stuff and Okay. I guess that would be my next question is just like, over here, Alan Partridge just isn't really a known quantity, so he's kind of just, his movies and stuff is his main thing here, but I don't know. Sorry, he's just been on the brain a lot lately. 
Right. <laughs> Again? Really? Yeah. No, I I listened to a podcast with him, and I was like, oh, man, this guy's so cool. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Fair yeah. enough. But, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry to bring that up. It's just... <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, it's the... It's no good to... there? Is he, like, reckon, like, you know, a big deal that... in the streets? Or... Like, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what his level of celebrity is over there versus here. Yeah, but... yeah Alan Partridge is a big thing. Um, he's also on... Uh, a show called The Day to Day. He was part of, I guess it was late '90s comedy scene. Oh, okay. There was a little, like mini movement which had Alan Partridge, which was that kind of cringy stuff, and then there was Day to Day, which is satirical mm-hmm. current affairs thing. I, I guess a, a bit like The Daily Show is now, perhaps, but I'm not. Oh, okay. Anything. Okay. Um, and yeah, and since he's done the clips movies. on the internet of Alan Partridge, it's, like historic, it's more like a historical. He had like a big burst of fame with Alan Partridge, which is a big, yeah, but, uh, which I guess has been kind of overshadowing everything else since then. But anyway, sorry. Um, that brief, yeah, brief divergence there. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, right. I guess yeah. Check out Proteus. It's it's available. I guess yeah. Just um, what 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 are your current projects that you wish to sign the spotlight on or follow him on Twitter? whatnot that kind of stuff uh, me I, I i'm on twitter um i'm on i'm ed clef on twitter e-d-c-l-e-f okay. um i yeah that that other i don't really i'm kind of between projects <laughs> okay. um yeah it's thinking about other stuff but you know it's not really anything i can say hey go and look at the devlog for this thing but you know maybe in you got linux like stay tuned it's gonna be cool yeah linux um yeah the artifact edition stuff i mean once that does get going once we kind of ship the initial pre-orders we'll probably have another little run of those um oh yeah like i'm assuming that'll be listed on the visit proteus buy now section okay yeah i'm not quite sure how that's going to be reintegrated it might just be a I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Like, I, was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Complicated. Because it, it was using a different payment processor for that stuff. So blah, blah. Oh, um, okay. But it, it'll work somehow. Something will work. Um, yeah, and then some kind of... I've got this plan for Proteus update in summer sometime. Um, and yeah, some other exploration game probably is what I'm doing next. But okay. Can't, can't say too much more. Sweet. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us your time. No worries. Yeah, good talking to you guys. And people should go check out Proteus now. See you guys later. But yeah, sorry about the Steve Coogan thing. It's just been on the brain a lot. And I, <laughs> whenever I encounter someone from the UK, it's just like. Is he famous there? Like, because over <laughs> here, no one talks about him. But I think he's great. But whatever. Yeah, it's it's good to have those little occasional obsessions. I think to obsession okay. in limited places. You know, it's like it's a, mm-hmm. it's like twenty four hour party people. Like his film stuff have been. Yeah. Anyway, the trip. If yeah, that's um that's actually um around where I grew up, Lake District. Oh, okay. So like him and Rob Brydon, like the restaurants yeah. they go to. Okay. With the fictionalized versions of themselves is, is really yeah. <laughs> I think it's specifically that he plays like this weird like version of himself is yeah. what I find so interesting. It's just like, is it, are you really this petty about everything? Or I don't know. Yeah, like, it's pretty amazing. And then yeah, it's it's funny 
watching them do interviews about that because mm-hmm. then it gets really confusing. Um, like about even more like blurring of reality documentary versus yeah, well, just because they not I, I guess they're not, they're not pretending that that is a real thing that happened, but then their personalities when they're you know if they're both being interviewed together, they're kind of bickering between each other, and you're just kind of thinking, is that is this part of the think, act? So like, is this a bit? yeah yeah, or it's like that thing where you know if you've been friends for a long time and you just you can afford to kind of have a bit of back and forth with people but then if you just do that in public then people start thinking you're you know people think oh that's bit, you're being a bit aggressive there <laughs> a bit weird <laughs> i don't know i guess I, yeah i don't know if it's a it's a thing like i've just stumbled onto this podcast called desert island discs which is a bbc oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 and i've yeah it's a long-running to... radio program that i mean that's like been going for yeah 30 years or something Oh, I didn't realize it was that long, but yeah, it's it's like five years of it are archived online, and I was just kind of looking through for names of people I recognize, and I was just like, oh, hey, comedians! Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's been a recent discovery. I'm just looking at what's greenlit. I'm seeing 42 things here. There's some good <laughs> stuff on here, though. I've just looked at what's been greenlit. Mm. Kind of happy that there's some smart people out there voting. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, that was, um, I was, I'm going to have a look as well myself now. But that, yeah, the, there's definitely, certainly there was, I think it was the first one, like 50% of the games had zombies in the first wave that went yeah, through. I, yeah, I, like, I, I was one of those people that was like, Project Zomboid, all right. And then later you're just like, what am I doing? Like, this is such a <laughs> easy way to get votes. But, oh, Kentucky Route Zero is on here. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think so. A bunch of things went through because of IGF. They 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 kind of things that were on that were on those... already, and okay. then Steam announced Valve announced that they were doing um, something which I actually thought they were doing already, which is giving Steam deals to IGF finalists. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sure they. I, I think they they did that once, and there was a kind of lull in it because when when um, Proteus was shortlisted in IGF, I was thinking, okay, oh. that's that's guaranteed. Steam place. You mentioned um, Incredipede, and yeah, it's listed on here. So yes, it is. And yeah. that's I, I think that's because it was in IGF. I mean, it was it was already in Greenlight, but then all the ones that were right, in right. IGF just got immediately like, fast tracked. It's like, like stamped. Dragon Slayer, um, really? That hasn't come out enough times, and people just kind of <laughs> ignored it. They're going to try again. It's on every pla- like. It's just you need to get every platform ever. I guess, but like. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> you need to get I every know. platform, including the one indies use. I mean, if you want to talk about that earlier thing about like, is this a movie or is this a game? Like, that's mm-hmm. a prime example right there. It's like, no, that's hit the a... buttons right to watch the movie. No, that's a money pit. <laughs> that's all it was designed to be, and it's annoying. Well, because oh. arcade, arcade room. Yeah, like, geez, right. Yeah. yeah, man, that game's yeah. hard. I, that's actually been a conversation on like uh, the Bombcast. They were talking about arcades in the UK. Like, were they pretty prevalent? Like, was there arcade stuff? In- they definitely were. Um, okay. When I was growing up, um, for some reason, Choplifter springs to mind. Choplifter, like, yeah. You know, that's like, I don't know why. It must have been a particular occasion where I stumbled into an arcade and happened to spend a lot of money on that. Or Rastan as well. I remember playing... Rastan Saga, <laughs> arcade, Chase HQ. That's like, yeah, they definitely, definitely were arcades. Um, I think they were, I don't know, they were, they were less of a. You know, there was like a different cultural skew on them. I think the US probably had more of a a golden age of arcades, but 
they were definitely a thing in the UK. If like if we're gonna just talk about nor- random stuff, I've always mm-hmm. wondered like in the UK you guys get stuff quite a bit later than like the US market does. Right. What what's it like having to like avoid spoilers and stuff like that on the internet? Is that just kind of oh. a task that's like impossible? Like Wreck It Ralph came out there like recently or whatever. And, yeah. Um Yeah, so it's like yeah. well, there's one twist that even I didn't see coming and I've seen enough movies that I can usually see these stupid twists coming. So it's one of those things that like I could see people spoiling pretty quickly. Especially if you don't get the movie for like four months after one of the biggest markets in the world. It, does. it goes the other way too sometimes though. Like, like well, specifically Edgar Wright stuff. Like Hot Fuzz came out over mm. there way before it came out here, and I had to watch trailers and get more and more like, oh, I want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. I got to see it in June as opposed to February. But you know, I guess yeah, it would go the other way quite often. Um, uh, I suppose. I mean, I don't often go to movies as soon as they come out and i'm pretty bad at going to movies okay um, i mean there's like i tend to miss things that i want to see or and then i go and see things that turn out to be rubbish or whatever so I don't, i'm uh you know and, and because i if i i'm almost more likely to just miss something than i am to get it spoiled and to have oh, okay it. Um, right so it's it's so unlikely me, that I'm it was out of touch <laughs> okay um, fair enough yeah, like I guess Japan probably gets a lot of stuff way earlier than we do, but there's that language gap, so it doesn't really matter. But, right, like it's not like you'll be able to see someone spell out the ending in English. Or unless something. you're following like everyone in Japan and can read it, <laughs> which <laughs> oh, is yeah, po- Google, which is a possibility, like... I think, because like I think Lauren even can read Japanese. So she could be following a developer on Twitter and then inadvertently right. see how, I don't know. So Hideo Kojima Square just game. ruined the end of, like, I'm just trying to think of something that he would ruin the end of. Wreck-It Ralph. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's posting about movies now, you're saying? Yeah, okay. he's just posting about everything now. He kind of yeah. does seem to post about anything. His jacket. But, yeah, yeah, like, he has his uh, translators on his English account. I guess, so, sorry, I'm I'm still just kind of fixated on like different platforms and whatever. Like, did, like, did you grow up with any of those like basically UK exclusive PCs and whatnot, or computers? I guess like the, the Spectrum. ZX Spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the big one when I was growing up for me. Anyway, I mean, people people had Commodore 64s as well, but um, yeah, I had the Spectrum, and then I had a an Amiga after that. Oh, okay, Commodore I, Amiga, I, which is really fantastic mm. I'm um, and I, I kind of missed out on consoles I, I guess I didn't um, some friends had SNESs and Mega Drives but um, I guess my parents were slightly more work oriented <laughs> like you know you can here's a computer you can play games on it but it's educational too you know, so. right like it has other it's, functions and yeah yeah I think that's mm. more about yeah, I've just, I've never used a Spectrum ever. Like I've I've heard some discussion that like it, it wasn't very powerful. Like it was it was pretty. It was not especially. Yeah, game. it was it was weird. It had, um, I mean, it had a lot of great games on it, but it mm-hmm. it was. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just like resurrecting some old console war stuff, but I right. I think it probably wasn't as powerful as the C sixty four, but it it could do. Um, 
I don't know. It was, it, I guess it was. It just had enough developers on it and had a lot of a lot of following. But and it had mm-hmm. this, you know, it had a really distinctive, weird graphic system where um, you could you had fifteen colors, which were like a single fixed palette of those, um, and but you could only have two colors in every eight by eight block of pixels. So uh-huh. you had um, like if you had a colored sprite moving over a, a background, then you might have that sprite might be colored, and it might you might have these kind of like blocky um, squares around the sprite where it was kind of bleeding onto the background. Or sometimes you had games where they um, they really figured out how to make because you, you could have all those colors on screen at once, but you could only have two per per character square. Um, mm-hmm. So some some people figured out how to work around that and you got these styles of graphics that kind of played into those like eight by eight things or things had like big black shadowy borders around the sprites um which is really fascinating stuff you know that that whole thing of like working within constraints and coming up with creative solutions is is, you know that's the constant source of of uh great work and yeah 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 um, just reading some comments on Greenlight now. Oh, okay. <laughs> some dude has been giving um, Mike and Vieco from Crunch the business. Like he's just grouchy. <laughs> yeah, he's not he happy hates- at all. He's like, the game feels really unpolished. I feel like I wasted two dollars buying it on any game stand, except for the fact that I have the music now and might use it in the music games I own. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, with a control with controller and full screen support, the game would be nice. It's just, or wait, but at the moment it feels like a cheap flash game. Uh, feels like a flash game. That's a yeah. So like it. they responded and they're just like, well, we're sorry you feel the way you do. We really do, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. But and then he's like, Crunch does support full screen. Read the instructions, <laughs> and then they also say you could have gone by the lack of lack of native game pad support with a keyboard converter. Then they're like, Binding of Isaac does it. Uh, like it works with Binding of Isaac and Offspring Flame, and they're both terrific Flash games. Oh, like Joy to Key, type yeah. Stuff? And then yeah, the yeah. third thing is like glad to hear you're enjoying our soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it positive. There you go. That's yeah. oh yeah, like seeing, unpolished, just... wasted two dollars. I don't think so. Also two dollars. Yeah, like, exactly. It's it a like economy discussion about like. On iOS, no one's willing to pay more than like ninety nine cents. How weird that is, and how do you break that? But yeah. another person's like, I don't care about the game. I just want the soundtrack. So they're like, Fair <laughs> enough. You can get it here, and they sent a link to Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that they've been interacting with the hate. Yeah, it's such a tough, uh, it's a tough path to follow when you you kind of. Um takes a lot of restraint <laughs> it's, it's like it's definitely mike doing that i can tell because that dude yeah that's just the way that guy is mm-hmm. i'm pretty he's just the guy that like you can sense that he's like kind of talking down to people in his comment but he's doing it nice so it's not yeah. like you could go back and be like you're an asshole because he's <laughs> well, still helping like, them yeah that kind of customer service representative thing where they yeah, have right. hate, but they're <laughs> a nice smile and uh... yeah i don't think vieco could do that he seems like the type of guy to just be like you know what you don't like the game well go fuck yourself go build a game from scratch and tell me or let me tell you how it is yeah so, so 
one's better at PR, I guess. They got the right guy doing the PR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's too bad. Crunch will never probably be greenlit. I just said yes, so... I, I mean, I did too. Can you vote oh, here. multiple times? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's tied to your statement. But we can see, we can start a grassroots <laughs> crunch appreciation club and, you know, tweet it out. It just gets in a weird position, though, because we've all like I've written about the game before. I knew them and were like we were friends with them. Yeah. And that was OK. Then we did the podcast and then it seems almost pandery. Like you're just helping your friend out at this point. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, if they just looked at like the tweets between us. It would just be like, oh, this is just a conspiracy to get the game out. Like conspiracy, yeah. and then fucking, <laughs> conspiracy. fucking Florence That's... will come on the thing and be like, "You're too close to uh, PR or whatever." Oh, <laughs> that, that, that indie stuff is that it's that's a weird thing. A side effect of that fact that you're directly, um, you know, you're directly talking to press and players and people that, yeah, and you have lots of developer friends as well. You know, if you're you know, if you're mixing, you know, going to game jams and and kind of mixing developers online, then you're inevitably going to be having those almost like personal conflicts of interest that you're recommending stuff that your friends are doing or that you. When I was um, doing press around the Proteus launch, that you have, um, you, you get an email from from a journalist and you you kind of it's just a weird thing where you, you respond. You have to, you know, you, you can't just respond saying like, "Dear sir, thank you for your interest in blah 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 blah," and make it like absolutely perfectly informal. But it almost feels cheating or feels too unprofessional to just to be friendly. And I'm just, mm. you know, I'm, I'm I just I'm a friendly person, you know. So, but it right. feels like it does it does get into this weird space where you. Like is that is that kind of friendly relationship um, influencing the the criticism of it? Which, right, like you're not consciously trying to like influence people. Whoa. Yeah, you don't. Is, you're not consciously. Yeah, you're not consciously kind of being nice so that if they write something bad, they'll feel bad. But it, like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's it's part of a perhaps part of a wider thing of just um, uh, you know anxiety about how things are perceived, I don't know. It's, it's easy right. to... to or, like, of, people have kind of looked at, like, how odd it is that a lot of games writers become, like, community managers and, like, work for publishers at some point. Like, it's just... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, the press um, aren't removed enough from everything that's going on at times. But, yeah. And yeah, then, I think it's, it's good to be transparent, but it's just... Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking just from a developer standpoint that it's and yeah well so so from a developer standpoint and then you also get these things where games like um i think proteus had this where lots of um press and, and people have played it at festivals so people were talking about it but other people couldn't play it so you get these accusations that you know that it's like a it's like a kind of cool thing to like it's like hipsters and <laughs> all these like oh. things Say, like, like where like it's you're like, part of this weird elitist club. Yeah, right, right. And it's cool. And, it's like, and what? And that, I don't. Yeah, exactly. And then it's just, it's 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 really weird to to figure out what the solution to this is because obviously these kind of things just form naturally, and you just have to. I'm still personally trying to figure out like how 
you know, you almost like can't. It's like the sorry, I'm <laughs> but, but you know, you have these like circles of of friends who are developers, but who aren't trying to exclude other developers. It's just that they happen to know each other, and as as long as like you personally take responsibility for being welcoming and being open about things, then that feels like it's. You know, that you just have to kind of take that responsibility seriously. I suppose that that you have, you know, you have to acknowledge that um, if you, you know, if you're kind of made a game that did well and and you're kind of well connected and you have other people that are promoting it. I mean, which happened with Proteus, really. You know, I went from two years ago from knowing no one in indie games or press or anything to to being a game that you know, here I am on a podcast. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy, um, but you just have to. I, you have to remember that process, I suppose, and just be conscious of of how that how that came about and how you know what obstacles are for people. Um, so I don't know. It's just a personal thing that I'm just trying to figure out at the moment, just to to kind of keep that sense of perspective and to, to you know to to kind of avoid any any feeling of, of excluding people or, or I don't know, you know, you know what I mean? Just being cliquey and things. So Yeah, that, that kinda just, reminds me of a conversation they had on Infinite Ammo about a TIG source. Mm-hmm. Like there was like accusations that there was some sort of like TIG club that was like right. exclusive excluding everybody and being real snobbish about other people's games or something. It's just like I don't we're just people who met people and it kind of became a thing and we could meet you too and play your game like you're not inherently yeah. excluded it yeah it's, i don't know how this sort of starts up but it seems to be a yeah it's, it's strange i mean that i was on texas um you know there's, there's an old proteus devlog on texas if you search for it it's maybe oh okay i'm on i'm on texas right now <laughs> devlog proteus yeah it's uh, way back um but i I kind of um, yeah I stopped going there really. There's just there's, there are there are definitely certain people on there that feel that like they've kind of taken over a bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out of touch with it. So it it really grew a lot and and lots of people were kind of clamouring for attention, I guess. And then some people are kind of some really prominent people on there are really cynical about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's definitely there's lots of good people still on there, and, and you know people are. I don't know. I, I guess it's just like forums. I I don't particularly have the time to go on any forums at all at the moment, and it's kind of hard to keep up with those communities. So yeah, strange. And, and there's also there's so I mean, much the, going on everywhere. It's the, yeah, the Tigsource, the classic Tigsource thing of like every IGF entry announcement. That you just go on Tigsource and read the like the seventy page thread of of people kind of ranting and railing about the selections on there. So. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of a yearly drama. Like, are there accusations like insider voting? Like, they yeah, vote. totally, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> like the, amazing. I don't know. I don't know if it was particularly bad this year. I, I slightly avoided it, but last year I was just absolutely like car crash obsessed with reading the Tigsaw thread because Proteus was in it as well, I suppose. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what are the people saying? You know, who, who, what are the conspiracies are they going to allege against uh, the fact that Proteus got voted in? Yeah, like um, it's kind of reminded me of like this theory I've heard in relation to Hollywood and like film festivals. Like, there's this actor network, and that's how everyone's getting parts and how everyone's getting positions in the business. And it's like, 
Well, I don't know. Like, I guess at some point, like Hollywood's been established for like decades, so maybe you could assume something's going on. But like, I don't. Indie games are pretty new, so I don't <laughs> like this level of organization. Like, there's some secret master like club running yeah. everything. Just I don't. I don't see it. It just, it just <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like specifically, just because like how friendly everybody's been, it just seems highly unlikely that there's any sinister business happening. It, yeah. yeah, like you talk to one person, and you're like, well, we were talking to Calvin. It's like, oh, yeah, Calvin, how's he doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I've, never, I've never met him in person, but I've, I know him online. Right, like everybody just knows each other. So maybe we're talking to the wrong people. We got to talk to the mafia henchmen of the indie world, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got to talk to that? Don like... Giovanni or whatever of the indie world. Uh, like Jonathan Blow, maybe? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's on that PlayStation Four thing. Like that's suspicious. Like what? And, up there? And I don't like. I don't know if you know. Dude has opinions, <laughs> <laughs> but he like hesitates to share them now because people watch him for opinions. <laughs> like what was it? It was like he made some like. Oh, I didn't really like this game that did really well last year. And was like, which game? I don't really want to say. That was uh, recent, wasn't it? That was very yeah. recent. Yeah. Like the thing is, he still needs to get his opinion out there. He is driven. <laughs> to get his thoughts out there, but he has to rein it in now or something. So yeah. he's yeah. just like, wow, really this one? And then everybody on the internet is clamoring for hours trying to figure it out. Or if there's yeah, some like secret them. Tumblr with like a different name that he's just venting <laughs> on somewhere. You have to find it. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> right. yeah, David was uh, convinced that was Proteus and someone else was uh, DMing me saying, oh, I think Jonathan Blow is talking shit about Proteus. <laughs> Whereas I was like, is he talking about Walking Dead? Because I was just like, maybe that's what I would. Uh, maybe yeah. Someone someone else thought it was maybe Skulls of the Shogun because that had come out at the same time. But then see, like I don't, I don't, I don't think... think it's Proteus because that seems like the type of game he would adore. He seems I to like I'd... the heady, like we're trying to do something different. Yeah, I I think he. I mean, I don't know what his opinion is on it because David actually emailed him and and David who is really funny if you ever get a chance to talk to him just is um was like thinking oh maybe Jonathan Blow hates Proteus and he was like really excited that maybe he had a powerful enemy you know and he's, right. <laughs> he was he was emailing him almost trying to kind of get him to to say what he was talking about and he sent him a a, a gift code for Proteus saying hey you can have a look at it if you want mm-hmm. if you because he really wanted to find out if, if it was Proteus but I don't know I mean I, I kind of think that maybe he wouldn't particularly enjoy it because it's not um mechanical enough mechanically complex right and it's because like his puzzle design stuff seems very meticulous and something more general i don't know if it would rub him the wrong way or what because like he was freaking out about abin hawkins and the thousand spikes or whatever i was just like look at this level it's perfect there's only spikes and then you gotta jump it was just like okay i don't know (laughs) but that fits his criteria of what genius looks like so yeah i don't know this is like uh, this is all completely based on like his little bit in that movie and playing Braid. Like I don't know what Jonathan Blow is actually all about, but yeah, like I don't want to take no for an answer from that guy. I'm gonna bug him till I get a response. No, don't why? Antagonize. Why? All right. No, why? Give me one reason why I shouldn't antagonize him. I don't have a good reason. <laughs> the worst, than, like, the worst case scenario him. is he says fuck this guy, and then like thirty thousand people hear my name. <laughs> and then I just then people are like you pissed off Jonathan Blow I'd be like yeah they're like good job to get notoriety <laughs> you must be doing something right if you pissed him off if he has the gall to say something about it like you're probably important enough that we should talk to you All right. so like that's the worst case scenario 
that's a a way to best case scenario is i just want to talk to the dude and just kind of grill him on everything because like frankly i don't know if he does that really or talks to people much anymore anymore braid media blitz you know like and also that that terrible thing in the atlantic um what did you read that thing oh not terrible 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 secrets no it was it was um a journalist went and kind of visited him and it was just a really like overly praising kind of article oh like hagiography hagiography um in the atlantic website um oh okay but it was just like way over the top and it was just like really cringy to read because it was like it was like the guy writing it was just really in awe you know and writing it's like kind of tone to it or something or but like, like hero worship kind of thing, or like too yeah that kind of thing. Too yeah, yeah. to the point of yeah, both, both really. I mean, yeah, really. Um, See, like, the... I don't want that. I just need to know that guy's <laughs> opinions, and I will dis- I will argue with him to the death. Right. I want I want to be the guy that made Jonathan Blow hang up on the call because I wouldn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I guess okay. These are interesting <laughs> ambitions. No, why not? Like he's no, it's fine. He's easily know. probably one of the most hard-headed people in indie games. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you could either get him to see your point of view or just, like, frustrate him enough that you're not following his to the point where he hangs up on you. Well, I guess there's just a f- small list of people that, like, there's, I, like, I don't know firsthand so that it's kind of irrever- irrelevant. But, like, there's people that are just like, well, they're really intimidating. Like, you know, they know a lot. And, like, it's kind of... That, for me, would be Peter Molyneux. Exactly. I don't know what I would say to him. Peter Molyneux is another example of, like, (laughs) someone who'd be kind of, like, he knows more than you, and you know that because he's been in the business a long time. So that could weird you out, but at the same time, like, Fable 3 was terrible. So how do you... (laughs) Like, I don't know. And and curiosity is... Curiosity is a thing that they're trying to do for money. (laughs) I I totally I played around with it again for like probably an hour like last week or something like it's just like yeah just put on some music you can just tap cubes it's cool but I mean is it a game? Well yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well that's the good thing about um, iOS stuff actually is everything's apps so you don't have Mm. to you don't have to worry it's still just an app right um I know yeah curiosity just seemed really stupid to me because it's because it's not really about curiosity it's just it's just bubble wrap you know. Yeah, it's, that's that's the compelling thing is that it's you're like kind of I've, popping I've, these things. I've done really weird compulsive tappy games before, like they're work time fun for PSP. Like I've capped many pens and like these kind of weird monotonous activities that have some basic reward in it. I've kind of been pulled into, so yeah. I don't know. I found it interesting, but there's not uh, a lot. I mean, to be honest, I've, I've not played it because so, I don't think I've it, played not, it. It, it seems not my, like it's. Yeah, you know he he kind of talks up these. It's the classic money thing of like yeah. he really talks these things up and say, oh, you know, it's, it's about this this guy that found a box in his attic and he didn't open it, and now I've made a game based on that, and it's called Curiosity, and and it's about opening a box. You know, it doesn't. There's no. There's a total. I mean, to my mind, anyway, it's like a, a big disconnect in what he he thinks. It's a bit like David Cage. You know, it's, it's a disconnect between what he thinks something's about and what it's actually about that he right. thinks it's about, or he says it's about curiosity. And it's about that feeling of having a box that you don't open, but but it's it's so not about that. It's about it's about finding what's in, you know. It's about compulsively popping bubbles on a surface and doing that yeah. with other people and, and drawing dicks on it and things. And, yeah, you know, just, <laughs> there's, right. there's a lot of stuff going on there, but it's not. But I don't think it's particularly what. Yeah, 
Yeah. Was originally, like, yeah, he's, he says it about in, in press conference. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a strange deep. disconnect between like how he'll pitch a thing and the reality of a thing. Yeah. Like, and like, yeah, with Fable like, and everything else. Yeah. yeah, like parts of it will come to fruition. Like it's like there's this dog and he's going to hang out with you and you're going to get attached to it. And it's like, well, that happens to some extent. So, okay. But yeah, I don't know. Like the compelling mystery of curiosity. Like I'm sure it'll come up again in like two years or whenever people actually get to the core. Yeah, but yeah. it's it definitely seems a bit like, reaching a bit maybe. But yeah. I don't know. Like ev- the, his little interview bit in uh, Extra Lives, I still think is a really great look at. Like I'm not sure if you've read it, uh, Tom Bissell's book, um, Extra no, Lives: but- Why Video Games Matter. Um, I, I don't even think it's technically part of the book. It's like an extra interview thing. But he talks about just how neat it is that games have kind of, like, everything from their very beginning is, like, within, like, lifetimes of people right now. So you can go talk to people who invented it. Like, they're still alive. Yeah. So it's like, and this is how everything had to be created. Like, it's like, not only did you build a building, but you had to go to the quarry and get the stone to build it. You know, like mm. all of these things have come up in the past like 50 years or whatever. And it's it's really unprecedented, maybe. Like, I'm not sure what he was kind of getting at, but he was he just talked really big ideas and really big time. <laughs> yeah. It was exciting. It's like, oh, yeah, this is why this matters. Who are some people yeah, you'd yeah, be scared be... to talk to in that same regard? I, I don't know. Like it, a lot of the like people. John people... Carmack, probably, because he's people uh, easily the smartest about... guy ever. People say that, but like it's just like, well, I just don't, I don't know. I've never been like overwhelmed by one of his games, so I don't know why I'd be intimidated. Like I just wouldn't have a point of reference, you know. Like I'd probably be naive in some sense as to who I'm speaking to. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like like you know, t- like Tim Schafer's personally relevant, but then I did kind of break that ice at PAX this year. Right. So was mm. that was fun. Um. I don't know, Kojima maybe, but probably not. There's probably that not. language barrier again, though. That that would be a problem, but... I no, think that would... wouldn't be a problem. I think that would make it easier, because you have to be a little more concise and open. Oh, no, that would be fine. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm sure there's somebody somewhere. Sweary? Steve, probably Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. <laughs> Steve Coogan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be so hard to be there. To meet. Like yeah. Werner Herzog? No, that dude seems like a really entertaining talker. So I don't think I'd in the same way. I'm not sure you're right. You flipped my question properly and I'm not sure that person exists or not, but so Jonathan blow is not that person. Probably not. Cause I was going to say, if you can talk to Werner Herzog, a guy that you actually idolize for what he does Mm -hmm. and you can't talk to Jonathan blow, the dude that made braid that one time. (laughs) <laughs> like i think you have your priorities mixed up you're right yeah <laughs> you're right okay peter molyneux is a kind of a different story and like i don't know will Wright probably in the same regard i i need to see these gdc talks and stuff that people keep talking about because like people definitely come away from hearing him speak and just go like oh my goodness man that guy has like the most amazing ideas which is like okay i i don't know i played the simpsons game and he was in there as like a villain so that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, like, I don't have the same kind of points of reference. I did play SimCity as, like, a eight-year-old or whatever, so that's probably pretty profound in some way, but I don't know. Super Nintendo version is really good. Ed, are there any people that you would be nervous to talk to? I, I can't think of specific people, but I do 
I certainly have in the past been quite nervous talking to people. There's um, Kieran Gillen. Um, I I did that kind of accidental kind of awkward icebreaker thing of <laughs> like, when you you recognise someone off the internet. It's like, oh, you're on the internet, you know. When you, <laughs> yeah. it, was, um, it was some games um, event in London, and he was it was like him chatting to someone else, and I was kind of walking past, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just say hello to Kieran Gillen because I really like his writing and Rock Paper Shotgun and everything. It's like really good stuff. Um, I mean, his writing's pretty crazy, but you know, it's kind of—it's good. It's, it's, I guess I have slightly mixed opinions, but no, he's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, it's like an awkward thing where I was kind of facing them, and then they kind of both stopped talking and both faced me, and then it was an awkward moment. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Kieran Gillen, literally," and uh, he just said, "Oh, um, yeah." <laughs> I guess it, it was one of those so, so awkward things where he—he he, from my reaction he thought that he must have met me somewhere else i think and had forgotten who i was but i hadn't that had never happened so he was just oh uh, okay yeah and it was like, <laughs> like, uh, like oh, okay no, i'm going away now and then, but um yeah. but I've, I've spoken to him since then it's not been i mean it's just i'm, I I'm sure I, it's one of those I things kind where of you, had you know, one of those sorry sorry i kind of had one of those at e3 last year like victor lucas Oh, like Victor some... Lucas? Yeah, like, I recognize him, but I'm not, like, intimidated at all. Like, he's someone I, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that guy's on TV, that's cool. But, and Canadian. Like, yeah, he's Canadian, he's doing something for Canadian. So, so you know he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know, I just felt like, well, you know, I know who he is, so I should at least kind of acknowledge that, like, hey, you know, cool, or something, good job, man. But then it's like I guess he kind of assumed like I was like a really big fan of the show or something, so he was like introducing <laughs> other people, and I was just like, oh dude, I haven't like watched the show in years. But I just had to like play along. It was weird. Did he introduce um, what the hell is her name? I don't know. There was like three well. other dudes there eating at Burger King. Like no, it was all it was all guys, and I was just like I'm sure they're all doing great. Like I just I just have no idea. So I felt kind of like I had presented myself improperly or something. Because but... apparently that girl that like does the hosting or whatever like that starts it off and then they cut, jump in or whatever yeah apparently she went to school with Aaron. oh okay so, like it's just kind of weird how every canadian seems to know each other <laughs> that's not actually <laughs> spread out quite a bit but yeah okay small population spread across a huge landmass. so mm. yeah it's kind of the opposite for like london and the uk isn't it where it's like Dense. A lot of people in very close quarters. Yeah, and then I'm sure, yeah. Um, and I guess there's, yeah, there's much less open space in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, games industries like that as well, actually. Just working with people, you always... Um, I mean, even... The same faces. I went to... Well, just... You either... Yeah, you either see someone or you you talk to someone and then they work somewhere that you worked and they also know someone that you work with. And then you always get these little like one or two degrees of connection things that, um, right. even cause I, I went, I was talking to some friends that went to visit a little studio in London, um, a couple of weeks ago. And there was a guy that I knew was working there. I, I already knew he worked there. So I was just like chatting with him and then someone else was like, Oh, Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't remember where I'd worked with him from. But um, it was just, just suddenly, you know, just enough, like a couple of those people just give the impression that you, you just like going into a room and knowing everyone in there, but you don't really. But it's just, there's enough of those little frequent little connections that just makes it feel like everyone's just two degrees separated. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the proximity. Like I'm just thinking of like studio closure stuff, like Bizarre Creations. Like those guys must have spread out and around. Yeah, that's Liverpool, probably. I think. Which is yeah, it was Liverpool. Um, and then there was the wipeout, like the wipeout team. Like oh, that's Sony? Liverpool as well. Oh, okay. All these yeah. Liverpool stuff. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it, <laughs> I don't know uh, that was um, comes out of Psygnosis, I think originally. It's interesting that like and Guildford is all um, bullfrog. Guildford's a little town just outside London, or was city, I suppose. Um, and that was all a centre that started off with bullfrog i think and then there was all the little splinter studios of bullfrog and then some of them got bought by microsoft and then oh, like before that ea the ea uk office started there so you you have these little like snowballs of studios and then they they grow and then bits splinter off and then you end up with these little centers so like uh-huh. guildford's one obviously london's kind of a special case because there's there's so many things in london and it all so everything kind of cross-pollinates but yeah Liverpool was like a little mini one based on um Cygnosis I think which were Lemmings loads of old 16-bit games um, oh okay so like Wipeout came out of those guys and, and a bunch of other things so mm-hmm. yeah get a sense for where these things come from actually like the hub of Canadian development is probably Montreal but I've never been there Vancouver too and Toronto maybe to a certain extent Toronto yeah. for indies for sure Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think, what's based out of Toronto that's a big company? Or, like, a AAA studio sort of thing? Nothing. Uh, Nothing I, I can think of. Yeah. It's Ubisoft Montreal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah, Montreal stuff. Yeah. Formerly THQ, I guess. They had one mm. out there. Yeah. yeah, every indie developer in Canada seems to come from Toronto and Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So, there's something... been a lot of Winnipeg. I don't know. Probably Holoka. Yeah, well, it's just the circle of people. Right. There. 